Sounds like I didn't need to do that. Anyway, welcome everyone. We apologize for keeping you waiting. And uh, so we're going to begin. And we are going to call the regular council meeting of January 10th, 2023 to order. We're going to begin with an invocation by Pastor Thomas Koppel from Spirit and Truth Worship Center, uh, followed by the Pledge of Allegiance. So please stand. Thank you, Mayor and Council members, for an opportunity to pray for you and for our fine city. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give our mayor and our city council members your wisdom, courage, patience, and vision to lead the citizens of Orange. I pray that you would bless them with good health, hopeful attitudes, and unity as they work together for the betterment of our city. I pray for divine protection over our police officers, firefighters, school teachers, students, healthcare professionals, business owners, and the hardworking citizens. Help us to work together to keep Orange a safe and wonderful place to live and raise our children and grandchildren. We understand and acknowledge that we are fortunate to live in Orange with its many cultures, nationalities, and houses of worship which enrich our souls and expands our worldview. Now, may 2023 be the most blessed, prosperous, healthy year of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag. Begin, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'd like to just uh, remind everyone, if you could please uh, silence your, your cell phones, um, would be much appreciated. Thank you. Madam Clerk, the roll call. Councilmember Barrios? I am here. Councilmember Dimitri? Present. Councilmember Tavalaris? Here. Councilmember Bilodeau? Present. Councilmember Gutierrez? Here. Councilmember Gillenhammer? Present. Mayor Slater? Here. We're going to begin this evening um, by mentioning that we'll be having a memorial adjournment this evening in honor of uh, William Bill Steiner. Um, unfortunately, he passed away the same day, December 15th, that uh, several of us were sworn in to the city council, and it's uh, a great loss for our city. I'm going to read this um, memorial adjournment, and then I'm going to ask um, his family to come forward. <clears throat> it is with great sadness that we recognize the passing of William Bill Steiner at the age of 85 on December 15th, 2022. Though was a devoted father to five children, 12 grandchildren, and a surrogate father to thousands of children in Orange County, many of whom were neglected and abused. William Steiner was born in Iowa and came to California as a child, grew up in the city of Bell and earned a degree in criminology from UC Berkeley and a master's in social work from USC. He was passionate about helping mentally ill and troubled youth and began his career in the early 70s at the Metropolitan State Hospital for Abused and Neglected Kids. 
You work tirelessly to find homes for children with the Los Angeles County Department of Adoptions, and as a young man started the Good Samaritan Boys Home, which ultimately grew to numerous homes across Southern California. In 1978, he was named the director of Orange County's Albert Sitton Home for Abused Children. He was disappointed in the living conditions which motivated him to act on their behalf and seek additional funds in creative ways. In 1985, Mr. Steiner managed his network with incredible charm to champion his cause of helping underprivileged children and raised $8 million to build Orangewood Children's Home. It was a unique private-public partnership which created a spacious Spanish-style complex of a dozen buildings which housed hundreds of children. In 1986, he became the executive director of the Orangewood Foundation, which would go on to raise millions more to support Orange County youth and would help support and shelter thousands of abused and neglected children. Mr. Steiner forged a long career in social work and public service and remained humble about his accomplishments. He was elected to the Orange Unified School District Board of Education in 1983, a post in which he served until his appointment in 1988 to fill a vacancy on the Orange City Council. Governor Pete Wilson appointed Bill to a seat in the Orange County Supervisor's Office, where the following month he was elected to serve a full four-year term in 1994. He was a dedicated member of the Orange Rotary Club and would be seen every Saturday morning at Watson's Drugstore where he and fellow members of the Saturday Chowder Group gathered for fun and fellowship. Today we adjourned the Orange City Council meeting in honor of William Steiner, an Orange County treasurer who touched the lives of so many, dated this 10th day of January 2023 and signed by myself and all the council members. So um, I would like to meet his family member and present this, as well as a flag that was uh, of the city of Orange that was um, flown and uh, we're giving to him. <clears throat> Good evening, honorable mayor and members of the city council. Um, I'm Jim Steiner, I'm one of Bill's sons, and this is my sister Lori, his firstborn. And we just wanted to come here tonight just to thank you. Thank you for honoring our dad in this way. We also wanted to thank um, the citizens of this wonderful community of Orange. The, um, the city employees, past and present. The um, electeds, past and present. His fellow Rotarians and Masons. And, um, thank you for being a friend to our dad. And... Um, Thank you for supporting and looking out for him and, and being loyal to him and, uh, and really just for loving him for so many decades. Um, there is no doubt in our family that, uh, that you, you uh, played a significant role in fulfilling our father's lives and really helped making his life complete. And I just, I don't know what, I mean, that says it all. So I just thank you from from the very large Steiner family, um, we just thank you very, very much. We did want to um, just remind everybody, I did put some notes uh, in front of you. I forgot the viewing is, is Thursday, 6 to 8, Saddleback Chapel. Uh, the memorial service is Friday at 10 o'clock at Covenant Presbyterian. 
We do ask if whoever is going to be going that you get there early, you carpool, you maybe park over at Schaefer Park or, or St. Norbert or something to come over in a group because parking could be a challenge as you guys can probably uh, figure out. There'll probably be a lot of people there. Um, also though, because of that, it will be live streamed and the, it will be open to the public. Um, that's on your list in front of you as well. I was hoping that perhaps uh, if it's appropriate, um, sharing that at some point, maybe putting it on your social media communication pages just so everybody uh, has the information. And uh, while I'm up here, I wanted to uh, give a thanks to my, my good old buddy um, from high school. Um, thank you for reaching out to me. And um, I just want to acknowledge that your decades long service serving this community and um, and you must be a glutton for punishment, dude. <laughs> I mean, to uh, to take on that role, you yeah you lost a little bit, of, uh, yeah along the way, but it really says a lot about who you are, and uh, really just from bottom of our hearts, you know, we're really proud of seeing the success that you've had and the service that you've given to this great community. So with that, uh, on behalf of the entire family, thank you so much. So, Bill Laurie, on behalf of the Grateful City, I present this to you, as well as the flag that is flown over City Hall. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful. Well, thank you all again. Okay, next um, <clears throat> we have um, Orange High School liaison uh, Diego Paz. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay, and um, after that, uh, Ruby Hewitt from um, El Medina High School, and uh, Diego is from Orange High School. Please go ahead. Thank you, Mayor Slater. Um, good evening, Mayor and distinguished council members. Um, as you know, I am from Orange High. I am our school's ASB ambassador. Um, I basically participate for my main duties in um, public affairs, representing the school, involving ourselves in the community and its functions. So just as a new introduction, especially for those newly appointed members of the board, um, every month or so, I give a brief update about the status of our campus to 
um, the city council, just so you guys can stay updated on its functions as well as what's going on on campus. Um, our leadership team is built up of a bunch of student leaders that love giving back to the community. I mean, as I say often, we share our name, Orange Chai, with the city for a reason. So of course, we're gonna love giving back to our community and involving ourselves in the best way we can. So for my monthly update, since it was a winter break, there's not too much to touch on, but I just wanted to mention that um, we are starting our next um, major update in construction. Of course, we had to say, um, a heartbreaking goodbye to our historic front main office building. And I know they had a ceremony com to commemorate that. But of course, we're gonna be um, dealing with the construction for a new science-based facility, and it'll definitely be a new sort of era for Orange High, and we're all students, we're very excited about that. And as for um, our sports, of course, we're doing very well in basketball. Our winter sports are kicking off. We have wrestling and stuff going on. so. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on on campus. And as for um, involving ourselves in the community, um, the main thing I wanted to reach out about is that our ASB team is hosting our first annual uh, Panther Day of Service this weekend in commemoration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, to commemorate his services in the civil rights movement, um, our student leaders and many of our staff are taking time on Saturday to basically give back to the community. And we wanted to um, reach out to see if any of you guys had any good um, opportunities for us to like get our hands dirty and involve ourselves to help out the community because you know we wanna give back and also just add to what makes this place so great in the first place. And so that's essentially what I had. But, and if, I also wanted to mention that um, if there's any um, services that I can attend to in the future. Um, I know I'm a student, but I feel like having youth representation really helps in the community. So if there's anything that I can help with in the future, then I would love to involve myself in that. And so that's pretty much it. I hope that you'll have some opportunities for us to volunteer in. Thank you. Thank you, Diego. <laughs> is Ruby here? There she is. Uh, good evening, Mayor Slater um, and distinguished council members. Uh, my name is Ruby Hewitt. Um, I'm the El Medina Student Liaison, um, as well as the El Medina Student uh, School Board representative. So I attend, um, along with Diego, um, all of the OUSD uh, school board meetings, and I represent uh, students within the district and um, students within my school. Um, so I'm going to get right into it, um, starting with the beginning of December, um, which is right after my previous update. Um, we had a couple of groups at the tree lighting ceremony um, in the circle, which was really great to see um, certain representation from El Medina um, in a city event. We love building this very mutually beneficial relationship. Um, so we had our Vanguard Dance Company um, selling pine cones um, that you could decorate as like Christmas trees and bracelets um, and that was a great fundraising opportunity for us um, I'm a part of Vanguard Dance Company um, especially since we haven't had a teacher for the past couple months so we're kind of flying solo um, we just got our teacher uh, thankfully and now we have some more money to really facilitate um, some more activities uh, for our dancers um, our El Medina Choir also performed um, and they did an excellent job um, and that was great to see. 
speaking of fundraising opportunities, uh, we also had our ASB flea market, which is the first event of its kind um, at our school. It was very, very successful in outreaching to our community um, and getting support uh, for our sports clubs and other groups on campus. Um, they were able to um, sell things like donated clothes or food and um, I was with uh, Ecological Research Club um, the, entire time, uh, the entire three hours, um, and I was selling um, pet rocks, which is really fun, <laughs> um, uh, as well as um, some really beautiful abalone shells that were generously donated by a local marine biologist um, who works on um, abalone farms to restore the abalone community. Um, yeah, so that was really great. That was great turnout to that. Um, we love seeing our community getting involved on our campus um, and just another opportunity for um, our clubs to outreach and grow and gain members and get money to, again, facilitate all of their um, various functions that are super beneficial to our community and to our school. Uh, we also had our Wish Fairy Assembly, which was like our holiday winter sports assembly mashup. Um, we had a lot of performances by cheer, palm, dance, um, all of our winter sports were honored. Um, we had some a really great like teacher engagement um, as well as student engagement, and that was a really great way of uh, kicking off our finals week, um, which followed the next week, which was very long and tiring, but we all got through it and um, went straight into break. Um, but during break, our basketball was uh, basketball teams were still going strong. Um, girls basketball played nine games and won a majority of them, uh, and boys uh, won or won all of their or won five two. I don't do sports. I don't know how to describe <laughs> this, um, but uh, they won their games five two, and they have a game right now. Um, so we're wishing them a bunch of luck, um, and I'm sure that they will do great. And that wraps up pretty much everything that has been going on. Um, Elmadina has never been stronger. Um, Everything's going pretty great, except for Lake El Medina that's going on right now, but, um, you know, we're pushing through it. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to my update, and I hope you guys have a happy new year. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you. Yes, Council Member Barros. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, to both of you, thank you so much. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you're that you're coming here and you're sharing what's going on at your schools. I think that's really important. Um, a couple of things uh, for um, Diego. Anybody in the blue shirts? Raise your hands. I think any of those people can tell you where you can volunteer. <laughs> so there's also other people in the audience I can see, but I think they're your fastest pass to something for the 14th. Um, they do great work, and I think that they would appreciate um, getting together with the student population as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to just remind you is don't um, hesitate to ask us um, to come and speak at the schools, give us tours, invite us to events. Um, we love that. We love to be, you know, closer and working with you and sharing our experience and showing our support for our local schools. So keep that in mind. Um, and as you have more successful sporting seasons that come and go or dance competitions, if um, an organization within your school should be recognized, um, let us know too. You can call any one of us. You can call into the city manager's office and we'll arrange to do um, a recognition for them here in the council chambers. We love to do that as well. They deserve that recognition at the city level. So don't hesitate, just ask. Great, thank you, good suggestions. Okay, now we're going to 
<clears throat> introduce the Miss Orange contestants, and I'm going to call Connie Benson forward to do that. Welcome, Connie. Thank you so much. It's so good to see all of you and some of you that I have not met uh, officially yet, some, some old faces and some new faces. I'll be getting to know you very well throughout the upcoming year at all of our city events as I bring our, Miss, our new Miss City of Orange um, along with me. For those of you who don't know, I am the executive director of the Miss Orange competition. We are going to be crowning our 86th Miss City of Orange this Saturday night at uh, Chapman University at 6 p.m. There are still tickets available. It will be held rain or shine. We are inside, so don't be scared. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Um, you can get them online at the Orange Chamber website or at our door. And for my part, I wanna say thank you to all of you on the city council and Mr. Mayor for all of the support that you've given this program over the years. I haven't been here 86 of them, but I've been here 16 of them. <laughs> so um, it is an absolute blessing to be able to do this in the city. We raise fine young women here and our competition is open to women ages 17 to 24 who live, work, or go to school in the city of Orange. So Ruby, I would invite you to go to our website, misscityoforange.com, <laughs> and uh, you can fill out an application. Um, it's a wonderful experience for these young women to get to know you, to get to be a part of our city, meet all of our business people. And this year, we're going to be making a little history because for the first time in 30 years, our Miss Orange will also be crowned the Orange May Queen. And as you might know, um, we have partnered with the Orange Chamber of Commerce. We're really excited about this. Um, I want to thank Elizabeth Holloman, the director, uh, executive director of the Orange Chamber, who's here tonight. Al Ricky, the president, is here. Um, I think only Connie Chan, who's helped me out a lot, is not here tonight. But um, this is just a really exciting partnership, and it's helped us a lot to have all of the chamber members stepping up and supporting us with goods and services, sponsorships for all of our young ladies. So um, hopefully, as you know, the chamber is working toward getting that May Festival back. And for now, our May Queen, Miss Orange, will be uh, reigning over the parade along with her court. But in the future, we hope that she will be reigning over an entire festival. That's our goal. So thank you again. I'm going to ask Victoria Johnson, who's our Miss Orange 2022, uh, to come up and give a little thank you to you for her year. And then we'll be introducing our contestants. There is one, uh, Madeline Chocolati, could not be here tonight. She's involved in a city production. And uh, she's in rehearsal tonight so that she can be in our rehearsals the rest of the week. But she will be performing a vocal uh, for her talent. And she is sponsored by uh, Fred and Mignon Whitaker, someone you probably know. So <laughs> with that, Victoria. Hello, Mayor and Council. Uh, try not to cry. <laughs> Um, I want to say first, congratulations, Mayor and the new city council members for uh, your election and uh, becoming a part of this rich history. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for your support of this program. It has meant so much to me to be a part of this history and be Miss City of Orange this past year. You all have made such a tremendous impact. Sorry, <laughs> just shows how much of an impact you made on me. 
Um, you all have made such an impact, and it's been such an honor being able to work alongside you, get to know you, and um, being able to work with, um, just get to know all the citizens of Orange and be able to be a part of this history. And thank you for supporting this program. Thank you for you know, being with me through this and helping me grow as a woman and an individual. Thank you for the self-sacrifices you make for this city and for everything you do. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping me grow as an individual this past year and being by my side. Um, I hope you guys can make it on Saturday, but I know you guys are very busy. Um, but just know from the bottom of my heart that you guys have truly left an impact on me, and I know you guys will on the next Miss Orange and even the contestants. So thank you, guys. Good evening, Mayor Slater and esteemed council members. My name is Elizabeth Rayburn, and my sponsor is Burris Law. And on Saturday, I will be performing an originally choreographed tap routine. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and council members. My name is Morgan Milam. I am sponsored by the Orange Elks Elks Lodge, 1475, and on Saturday, I will be playing the drums. So come check it out. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Um, first off, I want to say thank you for having us here tonight. And um, my name is Belkis Pineda. On Saturday, I will be performing uh, a dance, a typical Mexican dance called Folklorico. And I am sponsored by Orange North Rotary Club. Thank you so much for having us. My name is Cassidy Aslay. I am sponsored by Chris Horton, Payrunner Payroll. And on Saturday, I will be performing a country vocal performance and country line dancing. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Sophie Canberra. I'm sponsored by Canberra Speed Shop. And on Saturday, I'll be performing a lyrical dance. Well, thank you all for coming. Really appreciate it. Looks like there's some tough competition there. So um, uh, best of luck to all of you. I'm sure any one of you could well represent the city of Orange. So thank you again so much. So uh, now it's time on the agenda for public comments. At this time, members of the public may address the council on matters not listed on the agenda within the subject matter jurisdiction of the city council, provided that no action may be taken on off-item agenda items unless authorized by law. Public comments are limited to three minutes per speaker. By the way, the ordinance is two minutes, but uh, by tradition, the city has always given uh, members three minutes, so please try to stay within that time. Um, I also want to uh, acknowledge that we re did receive uh, email comments from Janice Brownfield as well as Regina Mundicus. Thank you for those. Always appreciate it. Madam Clerk, do we <clears throat> have we received any requests to speak tonight? Uh, yes, Mayor, we have, and those should be listed on your screen. Okay, very well. Then I'll First call uh, forward Carol Walters, and that will be followed by Johanna Matteson. Hi, Carol. Hello, everyone. 
I see we got two new faces we got to straighten up, huh? Congratulations. <laughs> in the past, we came a long way in Orange. You know, me back in the 90s, what was going on. And with Mark Murphy, we have came a long way. And I'd like to see it keep going the right way. And I know you all have different districts, but you vote. Just make sure you're fair to everybody. Let the people speak and don't be one area. And it's very important to let people be able to know you as a person and not someone sitting up there not listening. And I think it'll be a good year, but you guys have to listen to the people and I know it will happen. But we came a long way. Please don't take it back the other way. We have good employees and let's keep them. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Next, uh, Johanna Spicer. Hopefully said that correctly. <coughs> Following Johanna uh, will be Austin Madison. <clears throat> if you, yeah, feel free to make your way up to the front uh, if you like, the next speaker. Uh, Johanna? Dear Mayor and Council Members, my name is Johanna. I'm a student at Chapman University in my junior year. I'm also a member of Fridays for Future OC, which is the local group of a global movement for climate justice. As a young person, I'm worried about my future. Some things I worry about, I have quite a lot of control over, such as the GPA I will finish with um, when I graduate from college. But there's other things that I don't have a lot of control over. For example, I'm worried that we're destroying the very ecosystems that allow us to live and the impacts that that might have on our local city. I worry whether there will be enough water available or what happens when electricity fails. As a city and a community, we can have an impact on many of these effects. To ensure we're well prepared for difficulties we may face in the future, as well as those that we already face, community resilience is key. I know that the City of Orange has already taken steps to increase community resilience in areas such as water preservation as well as food waste, but I feel there's still a lot more we can do. For example, several cities in OC have adopted um, community choice energy, which gives residents the choice in where their electricity comes from. Um, the City of Irvine is also has the Cool Blocks program, and today they're actually voting on um, building electrification. And another thing we could work on is expanding bicycle paths. Since these issues that will strongly impact many aspects of all of the residents' lives, I think it's important that there's an interaction between the council and residents on these issues. So I was happy to see that the mayor has office hours, I think, twice a month now. Um, but all I will ask for today is that the council puts an environmental issue such as community choice energy or building electrification on the agenda for future meetings to allow residents to speak on those aspects. Thank you. Thank you, Johanna. Next, Austin Madison. Hello, good evening, Council, Mayor. Uh, my name is Austin Madison. I am a, a native of Orange. Uh, I'm a product of Orange Unified, as well as my parents. Um, we really have a world-class city. I, I agree with the other speaker that we've come a, a really uh, long way. And I, I'm here 
simply just to congratulate Dan, and I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm glad that you're up here, um, and you're going you're gonna to kill it. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Nice to see you. <clears throat> okay, uh, after Austin is Alexander Kurz, uh, followed by Jake Comer. So I would like to start with congratulating the new council members. And I'm also excited that Dan Slater is our new mayor. We came to Orange in summer 2018 when I took up a position uh, in the new engineering school at Chapman University and Dan helped us to find our home in Orange. But what is the reason I'm talking to you today? So like many citizens, I'm concerned about the direction our world is taking and I believe uh, we cannot leave it only to governments and uh, big politics. We also need to act at the local level. So why do I think that we are going in the wrong direction? I grew up in a world which, in which it was taken for granted that our children would live better than us parents. Progress. And when the Berlin Wall came down in 1990, I was there, I can still remember it, we even started to forget about the threat of a nuclear war, the end of history, as they said. So now, 30 years later, I'm a parent with three children, and they try to build their own future, but the world is very different now. Few people believe anymore that our children will have a better life than us parents. We live in a time of crisis. Homelessness is on the rise. Water levels of the Colorado River Basin hit no record lows every year. Every year is hotter than the previous one. Almost every week brings new extreme weather events like we could witness today. A new crisis are hitting. COVID in 2020, inflation in 2021, the war in Ukraine in 2022, and these crises don't go away. So why am I saying all of this? So I'm a parent worried about the future of my children, but I'm also an, an engineer who is trying to build a better future with my students at Chapman. And as an engineer, I believe in small incremental change. One cannot build a big successful system from scratch. Improving what we have in small steps, but it must also be driven by a vision of where we want to go. This is how we made it to the moon in the year I was born. So I want to understand what that means for local politics. What is the vision we have for our future in Orange? And what are the small steps we can take to go there? Thank you. Thank you, Alexander. Next is Jake Comer. Followed by Sarah White. Dear council member, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Jake Comer. I'm a resident here of Orange, a civil engineer with a focus on water and environmental engineering. And I provided public comment before to inform the city that human-caused climate change, as stated by the California Department of Water Resources, is having a profound impact on California's water resources, as evidenced by greater weather extremes, reduced snowpack, higher sea level, and changes in river flows. And cities also cause climate change. According to UN reports, cities consume 70% of the world's energy and produce more than 60% greenhouse gas emissions. I'm also going to be a dad by the next council meeting, which, which is why I'm so adamant about this. Um, 
I've also recently joined Citizens Climate Lobby and work with several other concerned citizens who you've already heard from and you'll continue to hear from, both in person and online. And through our work, through all of this work, we prepared the following four things that we'd like to ask the council mayor. Um, like Alexander says, very simple things, right? Um, first of which is to add climate action and environmental stewardship to an agenda item here. We ask that you please take climate change seriously when making decisions for the city, like reducing greenhouse gas emissions and preserving nature. An example of this would be the purchasing of new city vehicles, whether to go gas or electric. Secondly, meet with activists, scientists, and experts. You don't have to look very far. Our city is fortunate to have these very such people close by and in high demand, especially with Chapman University um, just down the street. Number three, hire a new staff member in charge of environmental issues. The city's already hired three new police officers this last spring, and the council agreed to hire two more. The 2023 budget also included funding to hire 12 ambulance operators. I'm asking for only one environmental staffer who could be in charge of such things as restoring the San Diego Creek, submitting grant funding for federal and state projects, oversee the implementation of agenda items, and so much more that I'm sure the council just doesn't have time for. Number four, incentivize citizens to replace their turf lawns with drought-tolerant gardens. This is one very low-hanging fruit that is ripe for the picking and can be easily ready for the next council agenda. This is just one example of climate action that a city can implement, and it makes sense. Clean drinking water is in very limited supply, has been methodically collected from hundreds of miles away and deep beneath the ground. It's gone through rigorous treatment and delivered through extensive distribution networks only to water the concrete. This is a no-brainer, and there's examples of this legislature in Long Beach and other nearby cities. It's a great start, and I know it would make me the happiest father to see something like this on the next meeting agenda. Thank you. Thank you, Jake, and congratulations in advance. Okay, uh, Sarah White followed by Alan Kincaid. Hello, good evening, and thank you for having us uh, tonight, and I just want to congratulate you all. My name is Sarah White. I am a recent resident of Orange. I'm very happy to be here. I'm working for the Sisters of St. Joseph of Orange at this time in their justice office, and I'm focusing on ecological justice in their office. And so I'm here tonight to speak to you as an ecologist by training who will very proudly be pursuing a PhD in just a few short months. I love ecology because it's all about the small things. I love that I go out into the environment and I can see mountains and oceans and beautiful creatures. But I also love knowing that it's the smallest microorganisms, the smallest nutrients that make all of those great things possible. And I'm worried about those small things. And more importantly, I'm worried about what those small things are so essential to. I'm worried in the ways that we see temperatures rising and more and more extreme climate events each day, which together are endangering our biodiversity and make me worried that my children won't see these beautiful things that I have been blessed to see. However, I have hope because of the small things, knowing that small things do make a difference. And so I'm here tonight to ask you all to begin with the small things that this beautiful city um, is capable of starting with. I ask you, like those who came before me, to consider simply putting climate issues on future agendas, to give the opportunity for the citizens of our city to speak on those topics, to express their concerns um, and their perspectives. 
I also ask you to consider hiring an environmental staffer, someone who can begin to tackle these issues one small step at a time. Uh, and finally, I would ask that you consider incentivizing citizens to convert laws, lawns into landscapes that have natural drought-resistant plants uh, that would be beautiful for our environment as well. Uh, so thank you again, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Sarah. Next is Alan Kincaid, followed by Sahir Masri. <coughs> Happy New Year. Uh, welcome the new mayor and returning council members and new council members. Um, I'm handing out a, a graphic representation, but uh, to start, thank you for letting me speak tonight. Uh, my name is Alan Kincaid. I live at 419 South Tracy Lane in Orange in the neighborhood that is immediately adjacent to the proposed Cornerstone Park Cemetery at Palmyra and Yorba Streets. And I'm here to plead with you to oppose the project for several reasons. Um, I do understand this hasn't become an agenda item, but I'm trying to bring everyone up to speed, you know, as, as much as possible. Um, as you can see from, from the first page, this shows the location of, of the cemetery project, which is essentially shoehorned in to a sliver of land uh, crammed in between a small neighborhood, a child development center, a preschool, a dog park, a park, and the Santiago Creek uh, walking trail. So for the following reasons, uh, I think this project should be opposed by the council. One, it's, it has already been denied by the city's own design review committee for a lack of sensitivity to the surrounding school and residential environment. Two, and the second page of your handout, you'll see a third letter from the Orange County Healthcare Agency, which is the lead environmental agency on this project, They've written three letters of disapproval of the cemetery project based on environmental concerns and has stated the proposed use of the former Levita disposal site to a cemetery is characteristically incompatible with the criteria set forth in Title 27 regulations. Uh, the majority of this property is zoned recreational open space and designated open space park, and the project is seeking a conditional use permit for cemetery use. The Orange General Plan states the intent for the open space park designation is to function as passive and active recreation. The cemetery project meets none of those criteria. It provides no recreational opportunities whatsoever to the community. It is a walled off, gated, private use facility preventing public access to the site, which is replacing a YMCA, BMX bike track, and soccer field. Uh, the city's general plan strives for projects that are mutually beneficial to both the environment and the community. Uh, none of this is served by the cemetery project, which is not open to the general public and provides no benefit, context, sensitivity, or compatibility with the adjacent school, daycare, preschool, dog park, walking trails, or residential neighborhood. Uh, this project also detracts from the character of the adjacent neighborhood. The cemetery will be surrounded by six to seven foot high and up to 10 to 13 foot high concrete block walls, uh, cutting off visual access that, that currently uh, pass from the neighborhood through to the dog park in the park. Uh, so again, I plead with you when it does hit your desk to please oppose this project. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Next, uh, Sahir Masri, uh, followed by Adrian Gladson. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Shahir Masri, yes, close enough. <laughs> um, good evening, Mayor Slater and council members. My name is Shahir Masri, and uh, I work at UC uh, Irvine 
as a research scientist in environmental uh, health and occupational health. Um, born and raised in Tustin, but moved to Orange uh, a few years ago. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, the reason that I'm here today is primarily as it relates to sustainability, actually kind of fits in nicely with the theme we've been hearing about. Um, what I was hoping to speak to is a little bit more of the on the ground, things that maybe we could do as I reviewed the city website. Um, I noticed that there's uh, information on water conservation. Uh, I know this is also a tree city. Today happened to be probably the rainiest day I've seen in about two decades. Uh, on the city website, there's a lot of information about how to, it's sort of framed from the standpoint of prohibiting water use on certain days, um, avoiding water use on like spraying pavements, all of which I agree with. Uh, I think there's room and, uh, and an opportunity really to link that part of the website with things that the state's doing, for instance, to help uh, capture water, for instance. Over the last uh, few months, I've actually, on my spare time, begun building rain barrels in anticipation for the uh, Coming season, recently bought a house, so I can finally do that. Not in an apartment. Um, can't take them away. So I've got those rain barrels there, and just this season alone, I've collected about 1,000 gallons of water. Uh, multiply that by 50 homes if we can get communities uh, doing that. That's 50,000 gallons uh, less water that we're pulling from municipal resources. It really fits in nicely with what California is trying to do as a state and what I'm sure Orange would like to do as a city in terms of conserving resources. Um, it also kind of fits in with that theme of community uh, resilience that we heard about just a second ago. Um, I know that with the organic waste uh, initiative, so SB 1383, there was a workshop that was done uh, by the city. I think if the city could do similar things as, as it relates to uh, water conservation, teaching uh, residents not only, again, uh, you know, when you can and can't water, but how you can capture your own water. Um, there's also things we can do, I think, uh, I mentioned that this was a tree city, and it's great. I, that's one of the things I love about it. Uh, on that part of the city's website, there's not really information about um, how, you know, kind of incentivizing the pros and cons, well, it's pretty much all pros from my standpoint, of having trees, offering shade, particularly with these extremely hot summers that we're having, uh, hotter summers that we're projected to be having. Uh, there's efforts in Santa Ana and other cities to really increase uh, shading in these communities, plant more trees, the kinds that fit in with drought tolerance, the kinds that do offer shade. Uh, that information I think would be great on the website. Um, I I'm gonna be here for the foreseeable future. I love Orange and I'm happy to be um, a resource for any of these kinds of initiatives, so feel free to um, and I'll continue to, to, to say hi from time to time, but I'd love to collaborate in any kind of ways to get the community uh, to do this sort of thing. So thank you very much. Thank you, Shahir, very much. Adrian Gladson, and the last speaker is Victor Mendez. Honorable Mayor Slater and members of the council tonight, it's my pleasure to speak to you. Um, not, that, not that the items ahead of you are kind of similar to what I'm saying, but they really are. January is a day, is a time or a month where you do your to-do list. You look at what you want to prioritize as a council for future. And I thought I would remind you of two things that all of you are supportive of, and particularly one um, which is transparency. Um, today, I, I was applying on attending the supervisor um, swearing in, but couldn't because of some issues with family and the rain. But I enjoyed watching the entire swearing in this morning on the Orange County website for the supervisors, including the meeting that followed. 
We have to take a look at all of our transparency elements within the city, including our own website, as previous speakers have spoken, um, how we can get your business or the people's business much more open and much more clear on what's happening um, with the city. And in and, and a particular example, your closed session tonight that started at 5 was not broadcasted. I think that the public has a right to see it didn't come up on Channel 3 or online to see who's going into your closed session. Not that the closed session needs to be televised, but we should know who's attending, who's not. Those are the kind of things we need to do that really can speak to transparency and openness uh, for doing the people's business. Um, there's a lot of other things that you'll have time to do. I know your list, your to-do list for 2023 is gonna be long. Um, your closed session agenda certainly spoke to that. But you do need to take a look at that and, and, and just freshen up everything um, from top to bottom. Second, the appeal process that I spoke about many times at previous meetings of the council, um, which I had hoped to talk to, to prior uh, city managers that never got to happen, um, three of them, you do really do need to agendize our appeal process for projects that go to you or go to the design review committee, the planning commission. That process needs to be fair and open and reasonable. Um, right now, the fees are exorbitant, and, and that just really needs to be completely looked at. Um, Councilmember Barrios has appealed two items recently, and most recently one to the Planning Commission. Um, we saw that that process had an option where the applicant, if they won the appeal, didn't have to pay fees. We got, I, I don't find that in code. I don't find a policy on that. So we just really do need to look at our appeal process and come up with something that's equal to what other cities in Orange County are doing. So thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Adrian. And lastly, Victor Mendez. <laughs> Hello, good evening. My name is Victor Mendez. I'm from Santa Ana, California. Before I begin, just a quick note about Bill Steiner. I started the county about 40 years ago as a wet behind the ears analyst and Bill was one of the first people I remember meeting and it was kind of symmetrical to come out here and hear his memorial. I remember he was a very good man and in fact I knew my mother and worked with him and years later we met up with each other when he was at the Board of Supervisors and he was still as kind as gentle as ever and I'm sure his loss will be felt in this community. Um, and he, like I said, it was just kind of very interesting that after 40 years, I now hear his name again. Um, I'm not so young anymore, though. <laughs> 40 years does have a way of wearing on you. Um, anyway, to the business at hand. I'm doing a volunteer project for the supervisor, Vince Ciarmiento. Very important to this community, very important for the district. We're trying to find the best people we can to fill the boards and commissions that the, the, the supervisor will have to appoint in the next you know, several months. Some of these positions are very, very important. Uh, you have waste management, you have parks, you have airports, uh, you have campaign finance. Some of these require some very important expertise. We could use bankers, for example, to work as a, as a trustee in the employee retirement system. We could use uh, psychologists to work on uh, the commission for first five. Um, you know, uh, 
property valuation people to help with the assessment appeal appeals for District 2, a very critical function. There's about 27 positions that I identified. It took me a couple of hours to kind of cull through this on the county website. It wasn't just sitting there. And there may be more, but I kind of identified kind of the low-hanging fruit. I sent a package to uh, your assistant today, and she forwarded it to you. So your action item, if I may, is to, if you got people, send them to me, go to Vince's office, whichever way you want to do. Send, more importantly, get it out to your networks. You know, five, ten organizations, people, whatever. Let's get the word out. Uh, I know the supervisor is very, very committed to getting the best people we can across the entire district. You know, we just don't want this to be a Santa Ana-centric type of appointment system. He wants everyone included. He wants every possible talent identified. He wants to make sure that the District 2 brings the best people forward and to have the best people in the county sitting in those seats so we have the best representation. And so thank you for your time in that respect. Your input will be definitely needed. Your assistance will definitely be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Victor. Thank you very much. My brother. We'll see, we, <laughs> see if we can fill those spots. There's, there's 27 of them. Waste management? <laughs> Anybody for that? <laughs> Mr. Mayor. Uh, yes. Um, Mr. Mendez, I just I wanted to direct you to Mr. Comer, the waste management uh, position, which um, deals with a lot of environmental issues. You should change cards. Sure. So, um, Anything I can do to facilitate? I'm here as a volunteer. I'm a retired individual now. I have nothing but time. <laughs> so oh, my, time so is, my, my time is for the district. I'd be happy to help any way I can. And like I said, you people are knowledgeable. You're in the community. Mm -hmm. You know your chambers of commerce are great resources. Mm -hmm. Please get the word out. We need people. Give them back to me. Get them to the office, wherever. And let's get a great bank of, of uh, talent, a great bank of talent pool that the supervisors can draw from in the near term. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I also, for all of our speakers who spoke about climate, um, and I oh, know how important of an issue this is, I wanted you to know if you had not seen it, and to everybody who's sitting in the room tonight, and give a big shout out to our public works and our water agency here in town. The Register did a story about the cities who had really dug into water conservation um, during the drought emergency that now continues to go on even with flooding emergencies. Um, the city of Orange surpassed all other cities by far and away in doing conservation efforts and, and really making sure that we cut back on our water use. And I thank all of our residents for doing that. And I think that you have a, a willing audience in our city that really does care about these issues. So we can't always talk about back and forth here, but I just wanted to share that. Thank you, Councilmember Barrios. Good point. All right, uh, moving on to the consent calendar. All items on the consent calendar are considered routine and are enacted by one motion approving the recommended action listed on the agenda. Any member of the City Council, staff, or the public may request an item be removed from the consent calendar for a discussion or separate action unless otherwise specified in the request to remove an item from the consent calendar. All items removed shall be considered immediately following action on the remaining items on the consent calendar. Are there any items uh, that any council members would like to remove for discussion? Yes, Council Member Barrios. Can we remove 3.2 and 3.23? Okay. Yes. Oh, oh uh, 3.13. Okay. That's one I was going to pick as well. And Mayor, you have two uh, from the public 3.7 and 3.20. 
Okay. Anyone else? Then I will entertain a motion to approve the ones uh, not removed. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Dimitru moved, and uh, the second was disappeared. Ana Gutierrez. Councilmember Gutierrez, thank you very much. Um, call for the questions. All in favor, vote aye. Those against, vote no. Balance is approved unanimously. Okay, so we'll go to, uh, in order, item 3.2. I believe that was Councilwoman Barrios. It was, and I'm not sure who the right appropriate staff person would be, but given some of the questions we just heard tonight um, and that we are purchasing new vehicles, do we have any policy on hand or do we make consideration for uh, looking into electric vehicles or high efficiency um, uh, fuel vehicles, anything like that? Or are we just simply looking for the lowest possible price? <laughs> I'll have uh, Public Works Director Chris Cash answer that. Thank you, uh, Mayor, members of the council. Um, actually, the city uh, does purchase a number of uh, electric uh, and high-efficiency vehicles every year. Uh, we, we use um, our, our annual AB 2766 allocation that we get from AQMD towards that. Um, and in addition to that, we've been buying um, some additional vehicles of that sort. Um, on an annual basis. Um, actually, our fleet of, uh, of purely electric vehicles has been growing steadily over the last probably three or four years. We buy several every year. Um, and, and typically, a lot of our, I'll call it our routine fleet, not, not our safety vehicles, um, those are becoming increasingly fuel-efficient um, electric vehicles um, as, as we sort of move through replacement on vehicles. Wonderful. Thank you. Would you like to make a motion to approve that item? Oh. Yes, I would like to make a motion to approve this item. Looking for a second. I'll second. I can't second it. Would you I, move it? Uh, there we go. Great. It's been moved and seconded. Um, all those in favor, vote A. Those opposed, vote no. Approved unanimously. We'll move to um, item 3.7, which um, someone from the public had asked to speak on that. Yes, Mayor. Uh, we do have one speaker. This is uh, item 3.7 is an agreement with the Rotary Club of Orange to uh, regarding the Orange Plaza and the annual Rotary Plaza car show. Tracy Curtis. Tracy Curtis. Hi, Tracy. I'm a little concerned that this was pulled. I wanted just to make a comment. So, okay. Um, good evening, Mayor, City Council members, and staff, and fellow Rotarians, neighbor. Um, I'm Tracy Curtis, a resident of Orange since 1981, Orange Plaza Rotarian um, for 16 years, and current chairman of the annual Orange Plaza Rotary Car Show. On behalf of um, Orange Plaza Rotary, I'd like to thank all past and current council members, city staff, public works, police and fire, and local merchants that continue to back our small club, <coughs> only 10 members right now, um, and that have made this a successful car show since 1980, 1995. Excuse me. 
I'd like to comment on the consent agenda item 3.7. Number four states, fiscal impact, none. The Rotary Club of Orange Plaza reimburses the city for all costs incurred unless otherwise directed by the city council. Simply put, the annual Orange Plaza Rotary Car Show does not create or result in any negative fiscal impact or burden on the city of Orange. <clears throat> in fact, the local and regional draw of the public to the car show, it <clears throat> and regional draw of the public to the car show, it serves as an opportunity for the city to generate sales tax revenue from visitors who will visit and patronize various retail shops and restaurants in the plaza. As a reminder, there are no outside vendors present as part of our car show. Visitors and participants of the Rotary Car Show have a number of surrounding shops and establishment within the plaza to dine. As our main fundraiser, Orange Plaza Rotary would like the City Council to consider a cap on the expenses Orange Plaza is billed for the annual car show. Alternatively, perhaps the Council would consider offering a partnership or a sponsorship to our, our club or our car show to assist in offsetting some of those actual costs. Our small but mighty club takes pride on returning and reinvesting the funds we raise right back here into our great city. This is in addition to our time, blood, sweat, sometimes tears, in the projects we do here in, the, in Orange, in our community. Orange Plaza Rotary's signature project is called Mentor Meals, where we commit annually to mentor El Medina High School juniors. We also support the El Medina Family Resource Center, El Medina Nature Center, Orange Homegrown, Treats in the Streets, um, assisting elderly in building uh, ramps that they may not be able to access their homes, food packaging, making lovey dolls uh, for local NICU babies, to name a few of the recipients of our contributions. Each year we're on pins and needles waiting for the invoice to come through. And each year that number is different and it affects our ability to forecast our budget. But most importantly, to affect more change and pay it forward to residents, schools, and businesses here in Orange. Lastly, once um, the contract is approved, we'd like to invite you, Mayor, to uh, judge the uh, Mayor's Choice Award on April 16th. Thanks for your time and consideration. Thank you, Tracy, for coming. Any thoughts or um, questions from the Council uh, regarding the items Tracy mentioned? Perhaps um, there's some way that the city manager's office could give them a little bit uh, better idea of what kind of expenses to expect. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the challenge is that it's kind of a moving target in a sense that um, costs for like public safety, you know, the price goes up because we do have contractual uh, um, uh, um, raises that go in. Um, additionally, uh, public works, it takes a lot. I mean, we get the cars, we have to control them going in there, we have the points of egress, ingress, and there's, there's a lot of safety concerns, um, not to mention that there is some reduction with the fire department. We have vehicles in there with, with fuel in the gas tanks, even though they drain it. So it goes a lot. I, I will tell you that the city always tries to do um, as cheaply as we can, however, without sacrificing public safety. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times, that's what it comes down to. But, but that being said, We'll always look to uh, try and sharpen our pencil to uh, try to see what we can do to reduce costs. Okay, thank Mayor, you. Mayor Slater, if I could add, it is uh, section 
4J2 in the proposed agreement, uh, the agreement does specify that, OP, uh, that the Rotary will only be responsible for the actual costs incurred by the city. If that's any help, we don't include overhead, that sort of thing. Right. Thank you very much. Would someone like to move this item? Oh, it's already been moved. Thank you. <laughs> moved and seconded. Uh, please vote. Approved unanimously. Um, then we'll move to see what we've got. I am 3.13. I believe Council Member Bilodeau removed that. Yes, Mr. Mayor, thank you. Um, this item's for the approval of the plans and <coughs> specifications to uh, replace some existing streetlights, uh, actually right, right across the street here on uh, Schaefer from uh, Chapman to Maple. It has a price tag of $200,000, and the source of the funds is our public works budget. Um, there are already streetlights there. Um, back in 2018, the city purchased streetlights from Southern California Edison. They purchased about 4,400 streetlights. That was done as a long-term cost-saving measure. When Edison owns the streetlights, uh, you have to actually lease them from them in addition to paying the power. So when you purchase the lights, uh, in theory you'll save money because you don't have to pay that lease. But when you own them, then you have to replace them. And the city annually replaces about 40 as a preventative maintenance measure, about 1% of the inventory. Um, $200,000 is a lot of money. And um, I remember this being debated when I was on the council 12 years ago. And um, it did not move forward because there are already streetlights at this location. <clears throat> and what's odd to me also is that um, I looked at our capital improvement plan budget, and there's only a budget for this one block. Uh, the block north of it from uh, Maple to Palm has existing streetlights, this conventional Cobra type. And uh, so this thing would be kind of an island. In the past, the city, when it went about trying to... Um, replace streetlights with acorn lights. Um, it used redevelopment money, or in one case, I believe Chapman University uh, replaced a bunch of lights as part of a development agreement. And uh, I just think that we should pursue other ways to um, pay for this rather than $200,000 out, out of our essentially general fund budget. I think we have higher priorities. I know that in speaking to constituents, um, this never came up. I know that People are anxious for uh, park acquisition and, uh, you know, landscaping medians and, you know, repairing, repairing uh, water lines and sewer lines. But this is, um, to me, this is on the bottom of a long list, and I, I'm not comfortable moving forward with this expenditure. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Councilmember Bilodeau. I also have some comments on this, but would anyone else like to comment first? So... Um, I share your concerns. Um, 200000 is an awful lot of money to spend for um, one block of streetlights when it's already covered. I can think of five other priorities that I certainly would like to put this money toward. Uh, one would be just until we get all our streets up to par, it seems like that should be the priority in public works. Also, gosh, we need to plant more street trees. Um, we need to improve that median on Catella that you'd like to do. Um, we need code enforcement officers um, 
on and on. So it, it seems like a, a little bit of excess to me, uh, considering that we are supposedly heading into a recession this year. Um, so I, um, I share your concerns, Councilman Bilodeau. Anyone else have any comments about this? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'll, I'll uh, Mr. Billet, or Councilmember Billet, I'll agree with you. Uh, there are, <clears throat> excuse me, there are areas in town that still have no streetlights. Um, Public Works is actually working on one right now um, in the West End on Tiller that actually had a, uh, what the neighbors would call deficient street lighting uh, that needed to, to have some improvement. So addressing an area that already currently has street lights probably is an ineffective way to spend any type of money that's that way we should really have an idea and spend that that resource in areas that currently have no street lights. I can think of some streets uh, over off uh, Fairhaven, off La Vida, um, up off of Esplanade, in the West End in the uh, ship areas, up in uh, the North Area off Canal, there's a number of streets that have no lighting at all. So that, that would probably be more appropriate. Uh, so I actually uh, uh, agree with you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Oh, Council Member Barrios. Well, since this is in my district, obviously I take I take a little um, ownership of this. But um, while I don't disagree with anything that's already been said in terms of the timing, I would hate to see this project just taken outright out of the CIP, just general things that we might want to do in the future. And now that we have a grant writer um, on, on retainer with us, perhaps they could be looking at restore um, historic. Um, grants that could be looked at to do this kind of take that funding off of off of our shoulders. I did also want to add some context to this because this was part of my understanding from about a decade ago, the overall beautification um, and restoration of the old town area to the types of lighting. And when we talk about the acorn lighting, it is specialty lighting. It is going to be more expensive and it is hard at this moment facing a recession to stomach that expense. Um, but it does add something to the beautification of of our city in an area that is a very big tourist destination that we keep talking about. So um, I do have some issues with it being at that part of um, uh, Schaefer. Um, as you mentioned, Councilmember Bilodeau, I think there's some other areas that are more highly trafficked, um, particularly for um, tourism and for walkability and pedestrian street level views that may, would make a lot more sense if we were gonna do them um, and keep this in the, in the mix. So I wouldn't wanna just throw it out outright. Um, I'd like to defer it to a future date or just look at it and down the road. Councilmember Gutierrez. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, and thank you, Councilmember Bilodeau, for bringing that up. That was something I hadn't even thought about um, and really didn't know, so thank you for giving us that history. But I wanted to ask our staff as to why this area was selected for the replacement of the lighting. Uh, Mayor, members of the council, uh, it's my understanding that it, it was something that was uh, generated from residents in the area who had asked about it. Um, and so that was sort of the, what kind of got the process going. Um, it's been in our CIP uh, in its current iteration since um, 2017. Um, and then in 2018, it got pushed out to the end of our five-year CIP, which brought it to this year, um, which is why it's currently on the agenda. Is it that these lights need replacement because they're old, or is it be as 
Councilman Barrio is indicating that we want to beautify it to have that acorn specialty lighting. The, 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 this iteration of the project was to add additional lighting. Um, there's already some street lighting on that block, but this is additional lighting. Thank you, Mr. Cash. Um, I would uh, entertain a motion. Um, Council Member Billado, did you want to do that? Yes, um, in taking uh, Council Member Barrios's um, comments to heart, I would make a motion that we um, table this item and ask the staff to bring it back during our budgeting process uh, this May, and we'll um, try to identify other uh, funding um, opportunities using the consultant that we retain, and that would be my motion. Second. We have a <clears throat> motion and a second. Oh, I think uh, Anna got to you first. <laughs> um, I'll call for the vote. Approved unanimously. Thank you for uh, bringing that up, Councilman Bilodeau. Uh, now we'll move to item 3.20. I believe a member of the public can speak on that, which was to that. Purchase of the vehicles. Is that, you already brought that up. Now there's a 3.20. It's a purchase agreement for vehicles. So, okay. We may have. We have a speaker, a mayor. Sorry, we have a speaker, Jake Comer, for item three point two zero. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Thank you again. Um, coming into here, I wasn't sure if I could talk on general items and agenda items. It turns out I can. But I'll keep it brief. Um, so this this is, I think, a what, $370,000 purchase for seven vehicles, um, but zero of which are electric. Um, and there's one hybrid vehicle, but when you look into it, it's 100% gas fueled with uh, only 18 to 23 MPGs, so it's not that good. I personally have a a hybrid car as well that gets 33 miles per gallon, but still, I've only put gas in there. Um, this past summer, the council approved the purchase of 29 vehicles. I'm not sure if that went through or got finalized, but I know I think that was approved by the council. And at that time, only three of which were electric. That means only 10% of that purchase was, was electric. And then including these new seven, that would bring the total to 8.3%. Um, so it's just not, you know, ideal. I just, again, just reiterating kind of what we were saying earlier, just to kind of keep that mindset oriented, um, especially right now, because looking at the staff report includes the savings through this, and I'm not sure if the savings from AutoTrader, if you were to buy electric here, would also include the federal savings for buying electric. But when you buy an all-electric car, you, um, the government will reimburse 7500 at least for citizens. I guess I'm not 100% sure if that's the same for government entities or whatnot. Um, but there are definitely um, discounts and incentives for buying electric on top of not having to rely on a highly expensive commodity that's also harmful for the environment. So I would implore the city um, to reconsider and to try to see if they can maybe you know, increase the percentage, um, 
8%, it seems really low. Um, so I just encourage you guys to think more about that and to try to purchase more electric in the future. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Connor. Duly noted. I think we've, we're all paying attention to that, right, Mr. City Manager? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, thank you. What, what's someone uh, like? Mr. Mayor? If, yes. If, if I could uh, speak for a moment. Absolutely. Um, so the council knows, um, when you pay your vehicle license fee, you pay a $2 extra to clean the air. And it's through something called uh, Assembly Bill 2766. One dollar of that comes back to the city of Orange, and the city gets about $100,000 a year from the Air Quality Management District. Um, in the past, uh, that money was just kind of programmed by the staff and spent um, how they saw fit to clean the air. And I think we need to kind of change that, and I think the council should direct how those funds should be spent. I can tell you in the past I had some uh, disagreements with a former city manager about how the monies were spent. Uh, annually there's a large um, barbecue that's done in the parking lot back here, uh, kind of a health and welfare fair, and those monies were spent for that purpose, and uh, which I thought bordered on illegality, actually. But um, so I would ask that when we go through the budgeting process that we specifically look at those funds and that we as a council program how those funds will be spent. They could be spent to purchase electric vehicles. Um, you, you could spend the money on uh, uh, carpool vouchers, uh, a lot of different things. But uh, I think we need to really look at how effectively we've spent that money in the past. Thank you. Good, great point. <coughs> Mr. City Manager. Lots of budget things to consider. All right. Okay, uh, we have, uh, th this has been moved by uh, Councilmember Dimitru. Do I have a second? Councilmember Tavalaris, please vote. Passed unanimously. And so we are to item 3.23 which is uh, submittal of annual financial reports for development impact fees for fiscal year 21-22. Um, is that you, Councilman Barros? It is. Um, so I don't, it's, you don't have to get up, it, like seriously. I, this is actually directed to the city manager, so I just want to make it easy on you. Um, I saw this in the, cons in the um, consent calendar, and I just really, I talked to you about it, Anything come up that was good, that was bad, that, you know, it's just going to go whoosh in the consent calendar if somebody doesn't pull it and talk about it. My understanding is that what we got back from our auditors and um, the review of our books and our fi financials are good. Um, so I just wanted our, the public to know that we are in a healthy financial community situation at the moment, um, especially because this council took action last year to change up our budgeting process, which there was a lot of nervousness about how we were doing that at the time, and yet it doesn't, we still have come forward now, a year later, and everything seems to be moving along the way it should. Would you prefer to answer? She's the expert, so... Okay, yes. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. Um, Councilmember Barrios, I am a little confused because the actual um, item number is for development impact fees. 
And it, um, the way I understand your question, it's towards the audited financial statements. Yes. For 3.24. Yes. You're correct. But I'm prepared to answer both. That's why I don't do numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why someone else does that in my office. Okay. But thank you. No, you're... that's fine. Um, so the annual financial audit is required by generally accepted auditing and um, governmental accounting standards. We hire and go through an intensive recruitment or um, process to select a well-known and um, capable auditor. They go through all of our assets liabilities. They look at all of our internal controls and um, rely on those internal controls in order to come up with their clean audit opinion. Mm -hmm. Through this, um, they, they investigate and test our cash <coughs> investments, our accounts payable, our capital assets, including land, building, infrastructure, our pension liability, um, and look at our reserves on an ongoing basis. Um, their audit opinion was a clean opinion. Should anything be found that is out of the ordinary, it's brought to council's attention as well as to the attention of the investment and audit committee, which is now meeting on a quarterly basis and we'll meet at the end of this, this month with the auditors in attendance. So that was my other question. I wanted to um, ensure that the, that committee that's been, was newly reinstated about 18 months ago, that they yes. are part of the process. Yes. And I, my last and final question was from, we've talked many times about communications and transparency with our residents. Where can people find this information if they are so inclined to read all the information that goes with this? Do we make it public? so it's easy for people to see. Yes, we do. It is on the city's website and it will be posted under department's finance. And there is an entire block dedicated not only to these new financial statements, but any historical going back at least 10 to 12 years. Wonderful, thank you. I just wanted to get that information out. Absolutely, thank you very much. Thank you, I believe we've technically already voted on this. Or we could vote again. Well, you pulled item 3.3, Mayor, so we do need to have a vote taken on that okay. item. Thank you. So we have that uh, moved and seconded. Um, please vote. Unanimously approved. That uh, gets us through the consent calendar. And uh, so now we'll move on to reports from Mayor Slater. We'll begin with item 4.1, which is city council reorganization. That uh, is that we need to select a mayor pro tem. So um, I will entertain a motion. Mayor, I'd like to make a motion. Sure. I would like to motion to nominate our esteemed colleague, uh, Councilmember Barrios, for mayor pro tem for a two-year term, and I hope that my colleagues would uh, join me in that motion. Okay, thank you very much. <clears throat> I'll give it a second. Okay, thank you, Councilmember Dimitru. Any other comments or discussion on that? If not, I'll make a motion to close nominations. Okay, great, thank you. <laughs> I. Let us vote on uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Very nice. Congratulations. <clears throat> okay. Let me get to my agenda here. 
Thank you. Bear with me. I'm still trying to do this the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Mayor, okay. if, yes. just be, before we even uh, get into it, I just want to point out that there are two of the, of the committees uh, that you'd be considering, Foothill Eastern and Sanitation Districts, that will require separate resolutions, excuse me, separate motions, uh, since they involve a stipend and the person being nominated would have to abstain. Okay. Thank you very much. So um, I believe um, you're going to see all the, so the public can see the committees and that we're proposing. Okay, so these are committees that the council serves on on a countywide basis. And um, so as you can see, the council is active beyond our, our own borders and in the, in the county. And fortunately, we have uh, many council members who would like to participate, some more than others. But um, I, for one, am happy to yield to the other council members to do this. And, and so you have before you the, um, the proposed appointments. Does anyone, uh, before we vote on any of these, does anyone have any um, suggested uh, comments or, or regrets uh, <laughs> before we move forward? Mr. Mayor. Yes. Counselor. You know, Mayor Mr. Mayor, Mayor, I just wanted to praise you for the job that you did in this and um, that you, you know, really did a great job in making sure that all of us could serve equally in capacities that we were interested in and had passion for and that um, was sorely missed before. And so I just really wanted to thank you for your leadership on this. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, so why am I missing my... One of, uh, let's find the order here. Well, we can go ahead and, uh, well, by the way, I want to, um, at the suggestion of the, I believe it's a Placentia mayor who heads up the sanitation district. Yeah, he's the chair of the sanitation. Correct. Suggested that uh, we recommend that this uh, be a two-year term for continuity um, instead of one year. So when we come to the city selection committee meeting, I'm going to recommend, um, as they requested, that council member uh, Dimitru serve as a two-year term to the sanitation district. So um, we should uh, separate these out. Uh, and also, I believe that the council members Dimitru and uh, Gillenhammer cannot participate in this vote. Is that correct? I was told that. That, was... that, is, that is correct. Okay. That is correct. Right. So duly noted. So. TCA. You have, do, you have to do TCA separate as well. Correct. So by starting with the sanitation district, uh, I will entertain a motion to approve Council Member Dimitru with uh, Council Member Gillenhammer as the alternate. We have a motion and a second. Um, any further discussion? Uh, all those in, f is it on the? I'm so sorry, I'm still seeing the presentation. Thank you. Okay. All right, so we have a mo fine. We have a mo motion and a second. And now we'll vote, those that can vote. 
Okay, it's uh, unanimous with uh, two abstentions as uh, requested. Thank you very much. Now we'll move on to um, Foothill Eastern TCA. So there's two uh, members that will not be able to participate in that vote. And um, so that's Council Members Billido and Council Member Tavaleras. And we have a motion and a second already. So uh, call for the vote. <clears throat> Sorry for moving too fast, you guys. <clears throat> okay, we have um, five A's and uh, two required abstentions. Thank you very much. That is approved. And then we'll move for the balance of the appointments. Moved by Councilmember Gillenhammer and seconded. Okay, you got Councilmember Tavalaris, please vote. Councilmember Barrios. Very well, approved unanimously. Okay, thank you so much for uh, getting us through that. Next, um, we're going to consider revising revolution Resolution number 10737, establishing city council regular meeting days and times. So um, it's been my thought and several council members uh, have expressed uh, this as well, that um, one meeting a month is not getting the job done. So I would like to ask staff, first of all, when they feel we can reasonably uh, move in this direction and uh, Mr. City Manager, perhaps you can uh, tell us who would uh, direct that. I think uh, we could uh, shoot for February. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on staff, but I think we can, if they're all going as smooth as tonight, uh, there should be a piece of cake. I think we can get it done by February for you. Okay. Mayor, Mayor Slater, maybe just uh, some additional um, ideas on that. <clears throat> there are... Uh, I'm just saying, if, if, we're, if we're thinking beginning of February, we're running right up against publication deadlines, uh, staff reports, and everything that would have to come in. So if you are thinking February, end of February would be doable more so than the beginning of February, and even March would be certainly allow more time to prepare the schedules for all the different uh, committees and commissions. Just a, a thought. Why, why don't uh, we... Do this, and I'd also like to hear from our city clerk staff on this. But why don't we first? Um, I'd like to entertain a motion as to make sure the council is uh, in agreement and moving in this direction to hold two council members member meetings a month. So I have uh, uh, Council Member Gutierrez uh, has moved that. It's been seconded by Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. Um, so I will call for a vote. That's approved unanimously. <coughs> Very good. So let's talk about when we can start this. And, um, and uh, Pamela, please let us know how your staff can deal with this. Thank you, Mayor. Um, if we bring a resolution back to the February meeting to um, change the uh, establishing the days and times of the meeting, 
Um, and we have a resolution all, all ready to, to bring back. Bring back for the first February meeting. If we could make it effective for March, um, that would be doable for our staff and give us time to um, implement the new schedules and everything in place. Okay. Any other thoughts or comments from the, the council? Then I would, oh, yes. I, I just have a question. So is, is the idea that, I mean, granted there are schedules to be done, but does that mean that the business of the city can't go on in a way that's more effective and faster until those schedules are published? I mean, is that absolutely out of the question? that we couldn't add a second meeting, say, like in February. Like you're saying late February. So if would we technically be adding a second meeting in February? It, I, the resolution would specify when it, when it would uh, begin. So um, if, if the resolution is adopted at the next meeting, then it would become effective in time, you know, immediately. But at that point, uh, there are staff reports, ordinances, uh, different public hearing uh, agenda items that would already be underway that might miss, miss the deadline for the next meeting. So, yeah. uh, Mayor Pro Tem, let me take a shot. I, I think that um, we've been doing one meeting for so long. I think there's a lot of logistics. And, and when I kind of spoke off the cuff and, and said we could do it in February, um, what I'd like to do with your permission is let us do a little bit of research, talk to everybody, and then I can get back to you as soon as possible, whether it be in a memo form or um, a, um, a communication of some sort. Uh, because what I'd like to do is make sure that when we do switch, that we're ready to step up. Uh, obviously, city business, as usual, will be go, but what we're doing um, now is the logistics of going from, from two weeks, excuse me, one a month, to a compression of, of every other week of getting prepared for a meeting. And, Quite frankly, I don't know what that logistics looks like. Um, I think most of the staff weren't in their current positions when we had the old, uh, I think it's been almost 10 years since we, uh, when, since we had that. I think it was 2013, I believe, when we switched. That's correct. Um, and so um, spinning back up, um, it, it might take a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, more work than we know. So I, I would rather um, you know, under-promise and over-deliver than, than uh, the, the latter. And, and I guess what I'm asking is just it, for some clarification specifically that if we are adding another meeting and it sounded like we were already adding another meeting in February, would that be kind of what your, what your goal would be for the start? The, the goal actually, it'll be the direction of the, of the city council when you want to, it, when you want to start the new, uh, start the second <clears throat> meeting. So whenever you adopt this resolution, at that time you would specify, but it would, starting at two weeks after you adopt the resolution would be difficult to implement. So I would say if you gave it a month after you adopt the resolution. And um, I believe we were we already thinking about adding another meeting in January. So Do we have that special meetings are different, right? I mean, Council member Dimitri. Yeah, what? if the mayor pro tem uh, and the mayor, um, we've heard March twice. I think it gives staff plenty of time. I know <clears throat> since there's been a, uh, a calendaring of one meeting a month for a significant amount of time, I know it's not preferable. I think we knock the, the doors off city hall as fast as possible to let the public have as much interaction as possible. Uh, but 
We also have to be mindful that um, our staff has had a number of years where it's been one meeting a month, so giving extra time for uh, sitters, for other external uh, pressures that are on our staff that to adopt, uh, I think March is, is fine to start with, uh, at least the target of having two meetings a month, which would be our second and fourth Tuesdays reverting back to our historic uh, schedule. So it gives, uh, I think, uh, you know, a month and a, a month and a half is uh, plenty of time for uh, folks to adjust and get uh, additional coverage as needed for their home life or for uh, adjustments in their schedule, work schedule. And I think that uh, that would, I think that would be sufficient. That sounds fair to me. Would you like to make a motion? Well, we have a motion. It just needs to come back when we have the, uh, it's already been approved. It's no, when the resolution approved, comes back. We approved going to two meetings, but I'd like to have a motion that we start our two meetings in, sure. in March. All right. Um, yeah. Off the cuff here, I'll make a motion that we, uh, for approval, uh, the Orange City Council will uh, begin an established council meeting dates of the second and fourth Tuesdays, starting effective in March of 2023. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We have a motion and we have a second. Please vote. Everyone voted. All right. Now the unanimous. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, next is um, expansion of board membership of boards, committees, and commissions. As uh, most of you probably know, the boards and commissions have been, uh, for the most part, five members for ever since I can remember. But nothing has changed since we went to a seven-member council and. I feel it would be nice to provide more inclusiveness uh, and, and participation uh, from, other, from all the council members, that the council members would make recommendations on um, who they would like to appoint uh, from, not necessarily from their own districts, but, but they probably have some in mind. And I want to assure the other, all the committee members in the city too, we're not, uh, it's not my intent to wipe the slate clean and start from scratch and lose a lot of um, institutional knowledge. But uh, certainly we want to expand the committees and, and um, take everything into consideration. So uh, with that, I would um, enter, be open to what comments the other council members might have might want to make on this subject. Mayor, uh, are we talking about uh, all commissions, or some commissions? Um... I, from planning commission, non down, all of them. Okay. <clears throat> that was your question? <laughs> yes, sir. That was my question. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Dimitri. Thank you, Mayor. I absolutely support this. I think uh, the opportunity for the public to engage in our committee's commissions are, are, uh, is a wonderful thing. Um, and the opportunity that we can find. Uh, the only reminder is that if anybody happens, as I've said before, if anybody happens to be watching, apply. Uh, without people to apply, we can't appoint you, we can't get the citizens involved, and then you yell at us that you don't know what's going on. Uh, so please, please, please uh, go online at the city clerk's uh, 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 portal on our website for the city of Orange at cityoforange.org 
and apply for positions. Uh, so we have the opportunity to meet, meet you and appoint you and get you involved even more in the volunteer work of the city because we would absolutely, I think uh, every single one of us up here would love to see more citizens involved in everything we do. Anyone else? And I just wanna agree with that statement. As you know, we asked for this two years ago, so very happy that this has come back and that um, we are looking to consider this and I wholeheartedly agree that expansion of all our boards and committees to seven members is, would make it quite equitable for our whole entire city. So I appreciate you bringing this back up. Very good. So, um, and just for clarification, um, I want to consider all of the suggestions that are going to be made, but um, just, to be, just to be clear that I retain the final approval for, for everyone, um, as the mayor's job is. <laughs> um, I do have one question. What is the correct order? Do we need to update our ordinances or resolutions first before we start down this road? Uh, we, we have a resolution that sets out every single committee, the number on the committee, and in, in the case of the design review committee, there's actually qualifications, you know, an architect, a landscape, whatever. So we would definitely have to come back and revise that resolution to update with the correct number of, of persons, and we'll, we'll take a stab at the qualifications for DRC. Uh, there's also two sections, or at least, least a couple of sections in the municipal code that reference five members and a majority of three is required, so we'll update the code. I would say that the resolution would need to be in place, and then, but, you know, we can, we can draft that up pretty quickly. The ordinance will have to be changed. Um, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here and say that probably with the resolution in place and the, and the ordinance underway, we can go ahead and expand to seven without waiting for the second reading and the 30 days that we, we're in good ground to do that. So we can get to work on this now. That's what correct. You're okay, great. So I would, um, you know, the city clerk's office has a file of applicants that uh, I would encourage all of you to review. There's some wonderful talent in there. And uh, I'd encourage you to look them over. And I, as uh, Councilmember Demetrius said, you know, please apply. We'd like your participation. So Mayor, I have a question. Yes. Sorry, another question. So uh, just so where the process is clear to everybody, Jane Doe would apply. Jane Doe lives in a certain district. That, that applicant would go to the council person representing that district or would go to the council as a whole? I think it should go to the council as a whole because you know, you might want to ideally pick someone from your district, but sure. if, if it's not a qualified candidate in your district, feel, feel, please feel free to okay. look at the whole the whole. Uh, I just want to make pool. it clear for our citizens because I saw some furrowed brows of wonderment. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Okay, thank you. Any other comments? Then I would entertain a motion. Are you done? Okay. You guys are ahead of me. We have a motion and a second. I will call for the vote. Unanimous, thank you very much. Moving along. Um, so there was a time in uh, the city of Orange where we did offer um, 
health and welfare benefits to all of our council members. And over the years, that's taken various uh, iterations, and then it was removed entirely. Um, there's certainly a case sometimes where a council member is in need of health and welfare benefits that are not offered them in the public. What I objected to when I was on the council before is that council members were uh, taking advantage of these benefits, and if they didn't, if they didn't actually need them, they were actually taking the cash equivalent uh, home as, in their monthly paychecks. And I didn't feel that this was right. But since I left the council, uh, health and welfare benefits were wiped out entirely. I am told that we are the only city in Orange County that does not offer health and welfare benefits to our council members. So, it, I don't. I, I don't think this is something that we need to uh, stand out for. So um, I feel that we should direct staff to come back with uh, various options uh, for us to consider a menu, perhaps if, if you would have it, of uh, things we could do, choices we could make, of uh, different uh, levels of benefits um, so that uh, the council could take everything in and then make a final determination on if we want to move in this direction. So that's that's more or less the point of this agenda item. <clears throat> Mayor, if possible, I'd like to uh, invite Human Resource Director Monica Espinosa up just for her to have some questions for council to give us a little bit uh, more finite direction rather than um, more of a, a shotgun approach to have us narrow it down um, and give the council some options tonight on what we should be uh, concentrating our efforts on, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Oh, there you are. Honorable Mayor Slater and members of the council, thank you for this uh, this this item, and I will tag team with uh, Madam uh, Senior Assistant City Attorney on this matter. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you'd like to see it, maybe some options or array of benefits um, that uh, would target specifically medical uh, I'd like to hone in a little bit further. Are we also seeking to explore dental or vision um, as, as a consideration as well? Or would you like for us to bring that back, as you say, kind of a la carte items? I, yes, I think we should look at everything. Okay. <clears throat> Understood. Understood. Any um, other clarifications you need? or Not at this time. I think I'll, I'll look at Ms. Binning at this time if she sees uh, a need for any further questions. No, I think I think that's it. So we'll come back with um, with all all possible options and all of the health and welfare benefits that might be available to you. One thing I'd like to um, see considered is, um, you know, before I know council was giving themselves the same medical benefits as our top managers in the city. I personally don't necessarily feel that's appropriate. Um, it should be something that's you know more of a staff member level. Um, and then also, you know, if we offer it to everyone, do we have to offer it? Um, in other words, council members that don't need it because they get it in the private sector, um, can we just offer it to ones that prove that they do not have medical coverage outside of the council? I don't know if that's an option as well. Yes, we, we do have internal protocols in place already should an employee be covered through a primary employer and uh, they, they wish to you know, waive that benefit altogether. Okay. So 
basically the the motion would be to um, have staff report back to us with uh, all of the information that we've requested and then we can uh, decide if we want to take it to the next step yes um, I would also like to point out that uh, that would require an ordinance change um, and uh, also potentially uh, and more likely I should say a CalPERS uh, amendment to the contract as well okay and uh, that process, uh, well, obviously we have two in-house back-to-back ordinance readings and our counterparts or colleagues at CalPERS um, advise that usually for a contract amendment, it takes anywhere from four to six months. And there is no retroactivity that is uh, part of that process. We'll convey a, certainly a level of urgency to them and see how fast they could move that along. But I just wanted to point that out to, to uh, our council this evening. Thank you very much. We have a, a motion uh, on uh, that. Sorry, what? Oh, I'm so sorry. Councilmember Bilodeau. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, this is kind of a treacherous item, but I'm going to delve into it. Um, I, I thought it was important that uh, a constituent, Reggie Mundicus, um, submitted her comments electronically today, and I think it her comment actually summarizes my thoughts. So I just wanted to read it into the record. And she said, uh, I support granting health and welfare benefits to city council members. People deserve to be fairly compensated for their work, and being a city council member is work. Members who object to said health and welfare benefits can choose to not receive said health and welfare benefits. Serving on the city council cannot be reserved for the well-compensated and those otherwise situated in a way which allows them to work for free. Um, just as a matter of uh, history, I was on the council when the benefits were eliminated. It was in 2011, and we were in the depths of the Great Recession. Um, it was done by Ordinance 17-11, uh, which I think we're going to refer back to this later when this is brought back. Um, the council at the time received a modest monthly stipend, which has now already been restored. Uh, that was voted on last year. Um, I did go back and watch the video of the debate on the health and welfare benefits. Um, I do support restoring that. Um, it is my understanding we're the, we're the only council in Orange County that does not um, offer those to their council members. As council members, we are employees of the city and under ERISA, and um, we receive a, a W-2, just like everyone else. And... Um, and the PERS component, by the way, just so everybody understands, because we're paid something, uh, the city has to pay into a Social Security program for us to back us up. Well, the city doesn't participate in Social Security. So um, PERS is like the, is what takes care of that. And we're talking about like 20 bucks or something a month. So there, there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow at CalPERS for anybody here. I can assure you that. Um, so that, that's what that component's about. Um, so um, with that, I'll stop. Thank you very much. Right. No, thank you. And great comments from the public that you read, too. Appreciate it. Okay, we have a motion and we have a second. Council Member Dimitru. Any further discussion or comments? Uh, I'll call for the vote. That is uh, six in approval. Um, Council Member Gillenhammer's uh, decline.
All right, thank you so much. And now we'll move to item 4.6, um, my recommendation to form an Orange Homeless Outreach Committee. So, as you all know, homelessness, and it was mentioned tonight, is a big uh, issue. It's not just our city, of course, it's everywhere, but we as Orange citizens and council need to do our part. So what I'm proposing is an Orange Homeless Outreach Committee for the purpose of helping the homeless, number one, get back into society. Uh, number two, with that being the foremost consideration, the primary goal will be to establish a functional, workable, and no to low-cost temporary shelter where people can be brought out of the elements, assessed for medical, drug, alcohol, and mental challenges if applicable, and directed toward care and treatment. Three, the shelter will assist the police in providing a local shelter that people can be directed to instead of having to depend on shelters in Buena Park and Placentia, as is currently the case. Four, this committee would work with the current resources such as our hub, which replaced Mary's Kitchen and any other appropriate agencies as determined by the committee to reduce costs the city is currently experiencing. Five, I would like to, this to be a council-led committee assisted by staff rather than a staff-led committee. And six, I would like to propose that council members Demetra and Bilodeau join me as the charter members of this committee, which we will expand to include others with local expertise in homelessness. Mike Leorakos is uh, someone who comes to mind who's been intimately involved with this, and there's many others in the community also. So that is the gist of it, is to get a shelter put together in Orange to assist the homeless, assist our police, and assist our city in uh, dealing with this uh, critical problem. So with that, I'm, I will certainly be open to hearing any council member uh, suggestions or comments um, on this item. Council? Mayor, there is a public speaker. If you'd like to call yeah, them first. Let's do that. Um, I'll call uh, Doug Redding forward, wants to speak on this issue. Mr. Redding. Hello, everyone. I have a speech prepared by my lovely wife. So I will read that verbatim. So I, congratulations, Tom. It's great to see you up there. And to everybody on the council, um, looking forward to a, a great year. Looks like we have the dream, the dream team assembled here. So uh, I think the city is in a great place. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the, um, the hub, um, which um, my wife is a volunteer. And we wanted to share a personal message and what it really means to uh, someone who lives in the city of Orange. Um, so Orange has been our home for about 25 years. Uh, my wife's family is from Orange. Um, I'm a refugee from Los Angeles, abducted by my wife. And um, we've raised a family of four here. Our children are fourth generation. And um, the hub has always been around to give back to our community um, in leaps and bounds from helping the uh, unhoused to the youth center and the full circle uh, thrift store that you've probably seen. Um, <clears throat> the hub has provided a lot for those in need and has been a total blessing for our, our community and our church and our city. 
So we appreciate your support and um, we look forward to giving back. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Redding. Any other thoughts or comments from the council? None. Then I would entertain a motion to uh, approve with the direction as I described. We have a motion from Guys are way ahead of me again. Thank you. <clears throat> Unanimous, thank you so much. This is a problem that we, we want to get on immediately and, and try to tackle for our city. So thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. Okay. So when uh, I met with uh, our esteemed police chief, uh, Chief Adams, Dan Adams, uh, last month, and our city manager, and I told uh, the council that I would uh, report back to them with uh, what we discussed, and uh, so I asked uh, Chief Adams tonight if he would uh, brief us on where the police department is at today in terms of staffing and, and overall support, and, and uh, how are we doing, Chief? Well, good evening, everyone. Mayor, Council, great to see you all. Uh, quick update on staffing, and um, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, we're doing great. So I'll just, how are we doing? Knock on wood. Uh, we are doing actually uh, really well in hiring, uh, recruitment and hiring, uh, not without the great assistance of our nonstop partner, the uh, HR department. I must say thanks to Monica, although I think I saw her sneak out of here. And her staff, uh, it's a nonstop, uh, year-round hiring process in a very competitive market, as a lot of people know. Uh, and I, we can get a little pushy when it comes to our, uh, the speed of hiring that I like. So uh, I just want to reach out. Our HR department is really doing a great job, Mayor and Council, just so that you all know. Uh, we do testing processes for uh, various positions uh, monthly instead of, we used to do it quarterly. As a matter of fact, right now as we sit here, there's a uh, written test going on at the police department for uh, police officer candidates. Um, a little background in 2022, just to give everybody uh, what we've been doing, we hired 26 police officers in 2022. Uh, we hired 15 non-sworn personnel, including new positions that were approved in our current budget. Uh, we recently filled our crime analyst, which was greatly needed, and we had struggled uh, for a long time to find qualified candidates. Uh, for our level of expectation that we felt was needed. And we finally uh, got the second homeless outreach worker in background. So we think we finally found someone. It's been a, a long process for that. A lot, of, a lot of cities are hiring for the same thing. So we've struggled a little bit there, but I think we finally found our person. Uh, some successes for us in uh, staffing and hiring in the last year, just so you all know, um, we promoted from within, which is uh, something that's very special to us, makes me happy. Um, Unfortunately, the majority of the people we've promoted from within were parking control officers. Um, so we all know how important parking control officers are, but um, one of them became a police officer. Uh, two of them became police service officers, and one of them's an admin clerk for us. So we are currently recruiting for more parking control officers, if anybody knows anybody. <laughs> um, another question that could come up is, 
uh, you're all probably wondering, were we really short 26 police officers that we hired in 2022? Uh, well, we had the 11 officers, that some of which were new positions, some were fr uh, unfrozen that we talked about during the last budget that were all approved. Um, we've already had a few vacancies. We've had some retirements. We've had people leave for a variety of reasons. Um, and um, we've seen some people not only, not only retire, like I said, but you know, there's some people who've left for uh, out of state or leaving the profession, period, unfortunately. Uh, right now, just an up update, we've got 12 recruits in the academy. We have 11 uh, officers in field training, which is great. Um, I'd say right now we're a handful away from our, uh, from our top goal, our number of 170, which was approved uh, during the last budget. So we're very close. Uh, one thing I mentioned to the mayor when we met, um, important to know, 23 people tied up in the academy and training and a handful of officers out on uh, temporary disability. Uh, we're still considerably short of the 170 as far as boots on the ground. So as far as numbers go, uh, we're close, but boots on the ground, uh, we're still a little bit away from there. So we're hoping that, um, you know, it's great to have, uh, we're right next to one other agency in Orange County that probably has the most in the academy consistently, which uh, I'm very proud of. Uh, our hiring staff is doing a great job. Uh, we just hired two uh, fully trained officers last week that are ready to be deployed so they don't have to go to the academy. So um, that's a great start to 2023. We've hired two people that hopefully will be out on the street by themselves within a couple of months. Um, just on the retirement note, I know I talked about this last year, and I'll probably talk about it a little bit more during the budget process. Um, our executive staff has a roadmap. Uh, and list for the purposes of succession planning and retirement. So we anticipate retirements um, all the time, and we're always paying attention to who's close um, so that we can close the gap during the hiring process so we don't have a big gap of people. We, we can ask the city manager, hey, can we dual fill somebody? We know this person's retiring. Get some people in those positions so we don't have a big gap, and that's what we're trying to do with some folks that, we're planning on, that are planning uh, to retire in the next uh, year. Um, staffing about parking. I know the mayor and I spoke about parking, parking control, street sweeping. Uh, just so everybody knows, we currently have three full-time parking control officers. Like I said, we, we just hired three to other positions. So um, we've got one in training and we're, we have two vacant that we're uh, recruiting for. Um, and then just so you all know, um, I know I said I was gonna be brief, but it's impossible for a police chief to be brief. Um, we wrote nearly 2,000 street sweeping tickets last month alone. So I know there's been some concern about street sweeping enforcement, uh, but what we did is we reallocated some full-time staff to work street sweeping. Usually our full-time staff does permit parking and other things, and our part-time staff does street sweeping. So we reallocated full-time to make sure that we started uh, covering more street sweeping areas. And that was uh, right before our discussion that we started it, and then we, we kicked off. So street sweeping enforcement, uh, people can expect to see hopefully four to five days. We still can't get to every street. So I know we're gonna get calls um, in about 80 hours a week. So, but I would say 2000 tickets for street sweeping violations in one month is pretty good. Um, I think that's about it, Mayor. I think, like I said, um, you know, with the 170 number that we talked about last year and that we, that we're, that's our goal. Um, if we can get those boots on the ground, I'm excited to see what we can do with the police department. So um, hopefully uh, in the next six months, we'll be there. We get some people that are injured back to work and, 
and get all these folks, you know, out of the academy and 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 out of training. Uh, we're excited about what the next year looks like, and obviously, I'll I'll be back in March with a crime report, and then during the budget process, we'll talk about what's next. Thank you. So once we get to 170, then you'll come back and tell us how we're looking. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Uh, any council member? Uh, yes, council member Tula Rice. Um, thank you, Chief. Hmm? I have a question, uh, a couple questions. Uh, when we were talking budget last year, um, the council, the last council asked you to, and I think you touched on it a little bit, work on a five-year or 10-year plan. Is that what you meant by your executive team looking at just the numbers in, in terms of attrition and retirement, how many you have in the academy, what the budget holds? Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, 100%. And I think what we talked about, too, um, is we talked about it would be a good idea to potentially increase our top number by five yeah. uh, this next year. And I'll be able to better give you or I'll be able to give you a better answer uh, during the budget process on whether or not I think we should do that. Uh, you know, obviously, there's some. Uh, some things out there that, you know, could, you know, the growth of the city to the east, uh, you know, there's a potential for who knows about annexation in the future. Uh, you know, you never know. So I always want to be anticipating the need for more police officers. And if we do, <clears throat> as you've seen, our process takes a little while. It can take yeah. six months in academy, three to four months in training. So <clears throat> it's almost a year to get a fresh brand new police officer. So we do have to anticipate, forecast, and be on top of it. So the census, the census is predicting... Uh, that Orange has 160,000 residents by the next census. Um, that's about 20,000 more. Um, my question to you is, is there something else that we as a council should be doing in terms of preparing the department uh, to get to that number, to get to 170? Um, I don't know if there's anything specifically that, that you need to be doing right now other than for us to continue having these discussions and for me to every year meet with my executive staff and really look at what's, what do we really need to do to be planning for the future? So okay. I think right now we're in a good spot. Um, like I said, if I can get these 170 boots on the ground, I really want to be able to analyze it and see, yeah. you know, what it looks like. I think there's some, there's some other things we want to do. We've never had that many police officers. So just us getting to that point <laughs> is going to be. I agree. And thank you so much for all your work. My last question is the heart team. I, I believe at the last, um, uh, budget we had four 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 on the heart team uh-huh yeah is that what we have now uh we actually have nine full-time employees uh, on the heart team working homeless yeah. okay thank you very much for all you're doing i'm yeah. just so impressed uh with our department and our men in uniform and i know um the last council worked really hard with you to to increase these numbers and i really appreciate everything you guys are doing and i i, I can see the difference thank you and i appreciate it thank you Anyone else? Chief, just out of pure curiosity, so with the people who are out and your training, so how many actual boots on the ground do we have? Um, I think we have 136 police officers. Can somebody give me a nod? Close to that. Uh, I think we have close to, so uh, excluding all of our supervisor and our leadership, I think we have uh, 136 police officers. There's, and don't get me wrong, 170 minus 136, that's a lot, but it's it's not. If I Maybe when I come back for uh, the budget or even the next meeting, I can kind of map it all out for you, or I'd be happy to meet with you, any, any of you individually, to talk about it. So that's actual just uh, the person you see in a police car. 
Yeah. And that's excluding uh, heart team, bike team, all our specialties. <clears throat> all right. Thank, thank you very much, Chief. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for indulging uh, me. We're going to move on to uh, someone else, Council Member uh, Gutierrez. You would uh, like to do your um, business highlight? Thank you, Mayor. So this month, uh, my um, business highlight hails from District 1 because as you're going into a new year, new me, haircuts is always needed. So next, yeah. next slide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm talking my son especially. <laughs> so this wonderful little gem um, opened in 2001. And it sits above the gym that I like to frequent. And I finally took my son there this past May. And they just do a fantastic job. So I really wanted to highlight Next Level Barbershop, located there on Tustin Avenue. And the owner is this gentleman named Adan Fonseca, and he's the main barber. And he has other barbers there as well. So if you're looking for a new you, a fresh cut, a fade, some barbering, I really think they do a good job. My son's very impressed. My husband was impressed. So next slide, please. So it is by appointment only. Very clean, very sleek, very nice. So you do need to call them, set up your appointment, or else they won't be there. Um, next slide. And like I said, very clean, very nice cuts. They do young men, older men, whatever you'd like. And next slide. And again, barbering, whatnot. So very impressed, um, young and very affordable, you know, nothing out of outrageously uh, charging for your haircut. So I was very impressed. And like I said, I just wanted to highlight this because I've been looking at them almost every day. And like my son needs a new haircut. So we're going to be going this week. So I just wanted to highlight that business there in District 1 off Tustin. Thank you, Councilmember Gutierrez. I didn't even <coughs> had any idea that business was there. So yeah, it's so really much. nice. Okay, and um, you had to, um, you would like to, uh, you, you agendized the Chandler Horowitz, oh, I'm sorry. No, I have a business highlight as well. Oh, I'm sorry. They just didn't put my name on it. Oh, okay. Please proceed. She's always in District 1, which just underscores how great District 1 is. <laughs> so. The whole city. <laughs> Okay, so um, if any of you have had ever had horrendous plumbing problems in your lives, you know how important a good plumber is. Um, this wonderful cesspool was found underneath my parents' home, and it was one of those devastating things where when we called the plumber, they, we called two different plumbers, and both of them said it'll be about $50,000 to fix everything. I was immediately thinking, well, there goes the rest of the college fund and the wedding's going to have to be put off. Everything in the family was going to come to a dead halt. 
Um, I was very lucky to find a local resident who had just started his own plumbing business. So I really am excited to highlight him. And just so anyone's like, we don't get discounts for highlighting anybody. No. Nobody, like people, uh, we just do this because these are great local people who are running businesses in, in our city. So you can actually go to the next slide. So Trinity Plumbing is run um, by Tim Colaccio. He is actually um, uh, an Orange High School grad, born and raised in the city. His family um, lived here. Uh, he specializes in remodels, service repairs, and new construction. And he just recently went out on his own. So he uh, managed the whole project from soup to nuts. And I'm happy to say we can now actually have the wedding um, that we're planning on next month. So very excited about that. Um, but it's really, as a small business, owner myself, I know how hard it is to start up and how hard it is to get your feet under you and you're looking out looking for new clients and for people to be. So I figured this is the ultimate referral. And if you're looking for someone trustworthy and to do a big job or a little job, I would really highly recommend um, giving Tim a call and letting him bid, at least bid. So I'm always happy to see someone starting a new business and being excited about doing that in Orange. So that's my business highlight for this month. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. Uh, it's been suggested that we just take a quick five-minute break before uh, we continue. And um, just so you know, the restrooms are directly behind us. They're very, very, very close by. We'll come back in just five minutes. Call the meeting back to order, and we're going to continue with a report from Council Member Gutierrez on the Chandler Horowitz site. I know there's some speakers for that, so um, after we hear from Anna, then we'll hear from our speakers. Okay, thank you, Mayor. So the reason I agendize this item is um, after receiving that public uh, hearing notification from the Santa Ana Regional Water Board um, last month, um, I. I heard from a lot of concerned citizens, and then we all read the century this month as well. So that just made me think about, wow, how much I don't know about this site and how I really feel that we as a council maybe need to be informed because I know I know very little. So I was hoping that we can get um, an update from our uh, city manager, but I also did want to convey to the audience and to our public that um, the hearing date um, for public comments has been elongated to February 10th, and the actual, um, um, sorry, the public comment deadline is now uh, February 10th, and then the actual hearing date has been uh, pushed off until March 17th. So in case you wanted to put in some public comments, you still have time. But I really realize I am lacking information, and maybe we all are as well. And I would really, I have an ask of staff, but I really would like to hear from our city manager as to an update as to what we have been doing as a city. Absolutely. Would you like to do public comments, or Mayor, or would you no, like our update? Go first? ahead, then we'll have the comments. Okay. What I'd like to do is um, we'll do a two-part update. We'll have our public works director, Chris Cash, give us kind of a, a historical perspective on it. And then what I'll do is I'll give, uh, once he's done with that, I'll give an update on what uh, we have done uh, since then uh, on uh, the Chandler Pit. So, Chris? 
Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, Mr. Mayor, members of the council, um, just to give a little context um, in terms of the location that we're talking about, the subject site is, is located roughly at the northeast corner of Santiago Canyon in Cannon. Um, it's behind the Blue Ribbon Nursery, if you're um, familiar with that. Um, and um, public work staff has been meeting on and off uh, with uh, the operator uh, of the proposed operation, uh, Chandler Sand and Gravel, since at least uh, 2017. Um, Chandler had requested the Public Works Department provide uh, requirements for a grading permit to backfill their property. Uh, the project would backfill the pit next to Santiago Creek and would import approximately 750,000 cubic yards of inert uh, material, including dirt, asphalt, and concrete. Uh, the property is a closed mining site and is zoned sand and gravel, which permits backfilling. Staff initially informed Chandler that all regulatory permits um, from applicable local, state, and federal entities that are required for the project would need to be completed uh, before the city would considering the issuance of a grading permit. And over the past few years, Chandler has received uh, the following permits or clearances, which in some cases, uh, the respective agency has indicated they have no jurisdiction, which includes a uh, incidental take permit obtained from US Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, permits um, were not required from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers did not require a 404 dredge or fill permit because the, area, because the riparian area is isolated from Santiago Creek, uh, which means it has no federal jurisdiction. Um, however, there was a wetland determination that was made for the site by the State Regional Water Board. And then there were also letter of map amendment, uh, which has to do with the flood uh, plain there, was issued by FEMA back in 2021. 20, uh, and also a conditional letter of map amendment was issued by FEMA um, also back in 2021. So um, the final regulatory, I'll call it approval, um, that's pending is the waste discharge requirements that are considered by the State Water Board. As part of that process, the State Water Board has um, initiated a CEQA process um, for consideration of a mitigated neg negative declaration. Um, and that is the public notice that went out starting on December 1st. Um, there is currently a public comment period on the uh, WDR, which um, as was mentioned, has been extended to February 10th. Um, and then the State Water Board is um, scheduled to consider the WDR um, at its March 17th board meeting. So that's uh, in a nut sort of the, the history. Um, and I'll turn it back to our city manager. Thank you, uh, Chris. So after learning that, what the, the city has done is we uh, had obviously some concerns that we wanted some uh, further looked at. So we hired a consultant um, and that consultant looked at everything that, that Chris had mentioned, and then um, authored a letter in our direction. This is just a um, overview of some of the topics that uh, the letter contains. Once we mail or send the letter in, it'll be a public document so anybody can get a copy of that. Um, but initially, we're looking at the, the project description. It seemed vague and it lacked some details, which were concerning to the city. We wanted to know about the construction the daily activities. What's it going to look like at the site? What equipment's going to be there? How are they going to access the site? Are they going to need to cut a road? Where's that road going to be? Um, 
where's the uh, inert material coming from? And, and Chris described some, but we want to know what other types of inert material are going to be going there. We want to know the, the number of residential units adjacent to the project and the exact distance from that project. Um, we also want to know what are the impacts going to be on Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge Private School. Um, we have a school right there. We have um, impacts potentially on the roadway conditions, turning movements, whether where these, these trucks coming in. What about the parents that want to drop off, pick their kids up? We have a lot of concerns about this. And how is that area going to be affected? Um, we also want to um, address the, uh, the aesthetics to the area. What, how is this going to impact what that area looks like? Um, you know, we got noise from the mach machinery. Um, talk about the, the dust that potentially is going to be generated. All these different types of environmental impacts. We want to look at the air quality management plan. You know, we've got emissions. We have uh, haul trucks coming and going. How many of those trucks? What's the impacts of those trucks going to be on our roadways? Uh, um, damage, um, congestion, so forth. Um, we're also looking at more in-depth depth examination to the plants, wildlife sensitive habitats, wetlands and, and the waters. How are they going to potentially be affected? Um, we also want to look at trees, make sure that the, if there's any protected trees <coughs> that you take care of, taking care of them. Um, we also want to look at the, uh, the geological and soils, the stabilization, how it's going to affect existing slopes. Are they going to, are they going to uh, remove them altogether? So um, these are uh, a lot more detail and a, and a lot more that the city has sent um, over, but I want to um, um, focus on that this is a process right now. Mm -hmm. and, and from the city standpoint, um, we are following that process. We have submitted, our, submitted this letter for uh, them to take what we're considering a deeper look at this project, more in depth. And then also, again, in our conversations with them, it, it's important, there's an opportunity for the public to, uh, to go there and, and uh, you know, um, state your, uh, your concerns. I would, I would highly recommend we do that. Um, as we stated, the dates on the, uh, the meeting are on the website. I would encourage you to continue to monitor that. It may change. Um, and, um, and then once, once uh, that we'll evaluate whatever decision is made and then uh, take appropriate uh, or take action potentially from there. And that is my report. Thank you. Thank you so much. And wow, that's a lot of information and thank you I appreciate that and I'm certain the public does as well and that just leads me to think my gosh there's so much more I need to know and I my uh, intention is I my ass I should say is that I I'm I want I'm a teacher so I I feel that I need to learn as well so I would love it if we as body could have a study session on this topic and learn further to just as an informational meeting to find out and we could have it as a public meeting obviously so the public could weigh in as well and why not invite all the stakeholders the the um the owner of the property um the water board that will be at the hearing um they could participate uh i just find that i i i think that a study session to figure out uh, obviously an area that is of great concern and it runs along our creek and as you can tell I advocate for our creek um, like you said our, our creek runs um, like our Grand Central Park through our city um, so uh, that is my ask that we look at possibly having a study study session where we study what's going on and learn more about it so we become more informed as as a body um, and also we can have the stakeholders weigh in and 
that's the reason why I also wanted to agendize this so that we could possibly talk about that and see if you all agreed to something like that, to doing a study session. And I know we just talked about adding a second uh, meeting, um, and it won't come into effect in March, but could we do it as a special session? Um, I would be open to that. I'd like to uh, perhaps hear from our legal counsel with regards to where we're at in this process, if, um, if that could be appropriate or... <clears throat> I would recommend that we wait until uh, the State Water Board has, has made their decision. Then we will have at least the Water Board's response to our comments, and it may flesh out quite a bit of information. Um, we, we don't know what their decision will be. So uh, it seems that that, that would be a, a good idea to be able to uh, wait for their response and find out what their decision is. Uh, now, my only concern is, um, are we able to do a, a tour as a body of the site just to see what it looks like? Um, would we have to wait for the water board to meet on that as well? Uh, you mean a, a tour of the Chandler site? Yes, like ask the property managers to give us a tour of their site. Uh, it's private property. I, I can always ask. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think we could ask. I, sure. I, I went to Blue Ribbon the other day and looked over the back, and I, I could I could see it from there after I, I made a purchase of firewood. Um, and and <laughs> so I so I would say that that you could you could go there. I would also, um, in uh, concurrence with the uh, city attorney, that I would be cautious uh, about. <laughs> our involvement until the water board has made a decision because ultimately depending what they decide may come back to the council for a decision and if we look at we if if the council looks like they may be unduly biased or something it may become problematic for us so i would uh, i would concur with the uh, senior assistant uh, city attorney at this point that we um, would refrain from anything till we let the again let the process run its course and see where that process leads us all right, um, Mayor Pro Tim Barros, did you want to weigh in? No. Okay. Councilman Demetrio would like to weigh in. Thank you. Um, is this, uh, for the city's position, is this something that we could utilize our um, recently acquired assistance of our lobbyist to relay uh, that same information to the Water Board at Direct? meaning they send a staff to their public hearing, they make a comment on behalf of the city as our lobbyist. Um, I mean, it would, I would think that would be an opportunity for us to put them to work. If we have a, if the city has submitted something that says we need to know the following, uh, that that can actually be retrieved via public hearing. I, if I may, I'll, I'll comment on that. I believe our status in front of the water board is no different than a member of the a public, uh, we're not considered, as far as my reading is, we're not considered an interested, uh, maybe to the level where, where we would have a real seat at the table. However, just as anybody can go and, and speak, maybe it's three minutes, um, if that seems like, like uh, no matter how many minutes it is, you would like somebody there, then certainly our, our lobbyists could go and speak on our behalf. Yeah, I just think it's, it's smarter to have just a, if we're going to have, uh, if there's an opportunity to at least weigh in, rather than just the written correspondence, is if we can at least reach out, put it on their radar that we would like to have uh, 
you know, their firm have a, a representative there that's on our behalf that keeps seven of us from wandering down there um, to wherever their, their meeting is. I, I honestly don't know where it's at. Of course, that would be 21 minutes then. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> <laughs> touche. Um, but at least that way we can also get uh, we, we could probably get a report back. Uh, they could summarize the, uh, the the meeting to us, actually put in a report form, and then we can also uh, that would also be a publicly available record uh, for the public if they so wish to see uh, see that as well without having to go uh, sit down in uh, yet another meeting that linger on. Very well. We have uh, several members of the public that would like to speak on this. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to ask that uh, the, the next speaker in line uh, come on up and, and sit in the front row so that you could be ready to go after the previous speaker. So first speaker is David Hillman, and um, the next speaker is Leslie Manderscheid. You could come forward, Leslie, <clears throat> after David. Good evening, Mayor and Council members. My name is David Hillman. I have knocked on a lot of doors in this city. In 2019, I got signatures to qualify a referendum. <laughs> Two years ago, I knocked on doors to help win a ballot measure. And recently, I helped with this last election. When talking to citizens, one of the top topics on their minds is the preservation of the Santiago Creek. People love the string of parks, trails, and open space along the Santiago Creek. But there's a major threat looming. One of the most beautiful places on the Santiago Creek is in jeopardy of being destroyed, and for no good reason other than greed. I'm referring to the beautiful Hurwitz wetland habitat and canyon below Blue Ribbon Nursery on Santiago Canyon Road, just west of Cannon Street. It is an area that was mined for its sand and gravel in the 1960s. Since that time, nature has reclaimed the site, creating a haven for flora and fauna. The reason I bring this to your attention is due to the massive fill operation being proposed at the Horwood site. Why would we allow this habitat to be destroyed just because a company wants to create a waste disposal site in our city? The impacts are enormous. If allowed, it would be in direct conflict with the long-established Santiago Creek Greenbelt Plan, the city's general plan, and the overwhelming wishes of the people that live here. <coughs> I know because during the holiday season, I spoke with over 150 residents that live around the site. This is an urgent matter. This destruction can be prevented. I have a lot of valuable information to share with you all. 
I ask that the city council support the public effort to stop this ill-conceived project. Your help is appreciated and can make a big difference. Please do what you can to stop this. Thank you. Thank you, David. Next is uh, Leslie Manderscheid, and uh, following her is Bonnie Robinson. Hi, Leslie. Mr. Mayor and City Council members, my name is Leslie Manderscheid, and I'm a resident of East Orange. I am a retired environmental compliance manager with over 25 years of experience being authorized by the state of California to prepare both state and federal environmental clearance documents. I'm a part of a volunteer group of residents reviewing this Chandler Sand and Gravel proposed OC Reclamation Mine project. I first became aware of this project from another East Orange resident on December 12th, 10 days after the original release of the Water Board's Notice of Public Hearing. After reading the mitigated NEG deck, MND, this is it, I have several concerns and questions regarding the adequacy of this environmental document. I think these questions would be helpful for the City Council to consider, some of which have already been mentioned. Number one, why was the MND not released until December 2nd 2022 with the 30-day review period extending through the winter holidays, leaving the public reviewing agencies and the public little time for review of this 380-page document. Number two, why is the proponent reclaiming the site as an open mine pit when for the last 60 years it has actually been reclaimed and restored by natural habitat? The MND has many errors and inconsistencies which makes me conclude that it was hastily released with little or no proofreading. Number three, the Water Board staff shared that no independent peer review was completed of the technical studies, which are outdated, being four to six years old, and often referred, refer to the trails at Santiago Creek EIR, which was decertified. Number four, the MND doesn't appropriately analyze impacts such as traffic, noise, air quality, visual, and water quality. For instance, why doesn't the MND discuss specific impacts to the Oak Ridge Private School, which is within 20 feet of the proposed diesel truck traffic? Truck tra number five, truck traffic on Santiago Canyon Road is incorrectly calculated in the MND. And why isn't there data on the traffic impacts to Cannon Street, Taft, Serrano? Number six, will the mounds of waste at the former Sully Miller project site be dumped at this project site? If so, the MND must disclose the status of the local, agency, local enforcement agency actions. And lastly, the project setting has continued to evolve, evolve and some sequent criterion has changed which leads me to question the defensibility of the MND. Isn't an environmental impact report a more appropriate document? What is the real need and purpose for this project? Thank you, Leslie. Thanks. And Bonnie Robinson. Good evening. My name is Bonnie Robinson. Our city plans do not support the proposal for the OC Reclamation Near Waste Disposal Operation on the Chandler Sand and Gravel 
LLC-owned property, historically known as the Hurwitz site. Implementing the Santiago Creek Greenbelt Corridor has been underway for nearly 60 years. The discussion can be traced back to 1959. The 1971 Santiago Creek Greenbelt Plan helped create the vision to protect this treasured environmental resource. This plan was approved by the Orange County Board of Supervisors and the City of Orange. Committees dating back to the 1970s kept this endeavor alive. The community and the city shared the vision of a day when lands along Santiago Creek would be protected from development for future generations to enjoy. The Santiago Creek Greenbelt Plan was incorporated into the Orange Park Acres Specific Plan and the East Orange General Plan in the mid-70s. Both plans were adopted by the City of Orange and became the blueprint for development and the preservation of open space. On these plans, the Hurwitz site is designated open space and regional park. Time passed and city councils changed. Citizens <coughs> expected that the vision of the Santiago Creek Greenbelt um, would be implemented whenever there was an opportunity to secure land. Unfortunately, developers were able to influence decision makers and citizens <coughs> were forced to stop ill-conceived development proposals um, that failed to abide by the adopted planning documents. Protecting Santiago Creek and open space united community members. Over the last several years, residents have successfully preserved open space along Santiago Creek for future generations to enjoy by using a variety of tools. Citizens have been successful in East Orange because prior generations had a vision and articulated that vision in planning documents that were adopted by the City of Orange. These plans became the roadmap that helped guide the many efforts of residents that work to protect the natural resources and recreational opportunities that the public values. The current project proposal was not developed in accordance with these plans, and there are many inaccuracies in the proposed project, project proposal, therefore of little benefit for the retention of wildlife in the area and the goal of having multiple habitat sites to promote survival of endangered and threatened species. The proposed mitigation results in net loss of wetlands, and I want to remind you, this is no longer an abandoned pit mine, and the area is already naturalized, and Mother Nature did a beautiful job. It is time for a study session. It is time for this beautiful site to be formally zoned open space, to be preserved and protected by our city, to complete the vision our community has been working towards for over 60 years, for the health of our natural environment and the well-being of current and future generations of Orange residents. You could be the city council that completes this vision. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Anna, any further comments or on this item? Well, I would have liked the study session, but we have to follow our legal um, advice. So um, I definitely I ask you colleagues if you would like to go down there and look at this site, definitely do it. I think I would like to. So I don't know if our city manager, uh, are you able to set that up first, or do we just call the Chandler property owners and say, let me in, let me see your site? <laughs> Let yeah. me see what I can do. All righty. Thank you. And if any of us would like to, we just speak with you. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Anna, thank you for bringing this up tonight. Any other council member um, items? Yes. Council member Tovalers. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, <clears throat> our last ad hoc committee on the North Tuscan Revisioning uh, Project will be Thursday, January 26th, right here at Chambers at 530. The purpose of the ad hoc was to bring uh, the property owners of the mall and the surrounding areas and the residents together to come up with a solution for yes. It has been an interesting um, 
experience in that some true motives are being laid bare for all to see. Housing is important in the city, obviously, but so is our tax revenue base. And so therefore, I really invite all residents of the city, um, if you have time, to please show up for this last meeting. Uh, let your voices be heard. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Tavares. That's an important meeting, so please go. With that, uh, City Manager, do you have any reports? Nothing to report, sir. Okay. And uh, we'll move on to our... <clears throat> Mr. Yes. Mayor, I, I would just like to ask if perhaps, because we have so many volunteers who probably have to get up early in the morning to volunteer and who have been waiting patiently, would it be wrong to maybe take these last two out of order? Um, well, <laughs> it's... Uh, Everyone okay with that? Sure, that'd be fine. <clears throat> Sorry, item 7.1, just we'll hang in there a little longer. Okay, um, we're going to move to item 7.2 then. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll try to keep uh, 7.2 on the briefer side. How many speakers do we have for that? Oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> okay, and I'm going to ask if we can trim this down to a two-minute two um, public comment. Is that? Love you. <laughs> okay. Hang in there, Mr. Potter. <clears throat> All right, item 7.2, um, city manager, staff report. Would you like to hear the uh, three public comments first, or, uh, or would you like uh, the staff report? Your call, sir. Um, I think the staff report. Okay. We uh, have uh, Jessica Herrera from uh, Community Development that will be speaking on this item. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. On March 11, 2021, the American Rescue Plan, known as ARP, was passed in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Congress appropriated $5 billion in ARP funds to be administered through the Home Investment Partnerships Program, known as HOME, and authorized the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, to distribute the funds to participating jurisdictions of which the City of Orange is a recipient. The intent of the HOME ARP is to address the need for homelessness assistance and supportive services to benefit qualifying individuals and families experiencing homelessness, at risk of homelessness, or a part of a vulnerable population. The city received an allocation of 1,655,186 in home ARP funds. In order to access the funds, the city must develop a home ARP allocation plan which includes the consultation and public participation process that the city engaged in developing the plan. Additionally, the plan outlines how the city will use the home art funds. As part of the consultation process, the, hit, the city held seven public stakeholder meetings on various times and dates to allow greater flexibility for those attending and were held both virtually and in person. Additionally, if an organization was unable to attend one of the stakeholder meetings, a one-on-one -on -one consultation was scheduled. The city is proposing to use the home art funds to reimburse the general fund and continue to pay for services at 517 West Struck to the homeless community 
as part of a federal court agreement. The city partnered with the Hub OC, a local nonprofit, to establish the Hub Resource Center, known as the HRC, to administer those services. All eligible expenses using general fund would be paid using home ARP funding until all home ARP funds are exhausted. Once the city's federal agreement has ended, the long-term transition consists of turning management and responsibility, including financial responsibility of the site over to the Hub OC, with a greater focus on providing more holistic supportive services. To date, expenses for the services have been paid using coronavirus aid, relief, and economic security CARES Act funding, as well as the city's general fund. It is important to note that with CARES funding almost completely exhausted, the city utilized general fund dollars to supplement the cost of operations until another source of funding could be identified. To meet the housing requirement of the home grant, home ARP grant, and address some of the housing assistance needs within the city, the plan proposes to establish a tenant-based rental assistance program, also known as TBRA. If this plan is approved, the TBRA program guidelines and requirements will be developed and staff will return to council at a future date for consideration. The TBRA program will be funded through the city's annual home program entitlement so as to preserve the home art funds for the operation of the HRC. Historically, the city has had difficulty finding qualifying projects for its home funding. By establishing a TBRA program, the city will be able to more timely expand its home funding while addressing a need in the community. If the plan is approved, staff will return to council with a substantial amendment to the 2021 action plan to include the home ARP funding as required by HUD. The action plan is an annual document required by HUD that outlines the city's intention for the use of a specific year's funding. Staff recommends approval of the home ARP allocation plan and requests authorization to incorporate any comments received by the community at today's public hearing into the plan for submittal to HUD. That concludes my report. Thank you. Any questions uh, from council members at this point? Seeing none, oh, go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. Oh, we want the public to speak first. No, and go then ahead. Ask. Okay. I just had one question about the TBRA <coughs> program, and I know that's going to be developed. And I noticed in the staff report that it said that um, you plan to partner with Valencia Gardens and affordable housing development um, adjacent to uh, HRC. So my only question is, um, I'm sorry, not the, um, my only question is, does it have to be with the affordable housing development or can it be citywide? It, do we write our own or how does that work? Jessica. The way the allocation plan was written is uh, that it would be somehow tied to how the funds are being used at the site. So it would be like a referral system from the HRC mm -hmm. um, to, to the TBRA application process. So they would go to the HRC, get a referral, and then they would come to the city. Um, when we speak about partnering with affordable housing developments, the way it works is that uh, we can have we can open it up and say any affordable housing development that accepts uh, tenant-based rental assistance clients can get on a list that we provide to prospective uh, applicants that come to the city. Uh, because really, what we're doing is we're offsetting their rent, and, but they have the ultimate choice based on what we based on whatever parameters we set, saying, you know, this is the maximum we'll pay, um, you know, for renting based on a study that we do of the average rent in the county of Orange. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately it would be up to them to decide and go and say, this is the affordable housing development that I want to go with. 
and then we would go into an agreement with that affordable housing development. With Valencia Gardens, because of their proximity to the site, uh, we mentioned them as an example. Oh, but not exclusive. No, That's no. That's what I wanted to Yes, no, so uh, all of those guidelines would be um, covered in our, in the, ultimately when we finalize the, the guidelines and procedures for the TBRA program. Okay, very good. Thank you for clarifying that for me. No problem. Okay, very good. Okay. This time I'm going to open the public hearing and I would invite uh, Tori Kynes to step forward if she'd still like to speak. Uh, uh, waiting behind her is Kylie Simonton. I am not only a resident of Orange, but I also work at the Starbucks in the Circle, so I recognize some of you, which is fun, and I have a feeling we could all use some Starbucks right now, but um, I'll be brief. Um, my um, just experience with the HRC has been nothing but positive. Um, we get a lot of homeless patrons that come into Starbucks just for the use of our um, public restroom and because it's like a safe place where they can sit and charge their phones. Um, if we have any patrons that disrupt kind of what Starbucks calls the third place, um, before I had any knowledge of the HRC, we had to kind of send them out and just ask them to leave. And now I have um, kind of worked with my manager and we are able to give them resources and send them to the HRC to not only get um, like showers and use of laundry and just food and everything. It's honestly been the greatest thing because we... At Starbucks, have this thing called our customer connection score, and we're very big on it. And one of our main complaints is that um, Starbucks has become kind of like a homeless um, just center. And now we can actively kind of share how we're trying to kind of combat that, but also serve the residents of Orange. So I love it, and thank you for your time tonight. Great. Thank you, Tori. Kylie? Next is Daryl Borders. Uh, good evening. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you guys. My name is Kylie Simonton, and I am the Hub Resource Center Director. I am also a resident of Orange, and it is my greatest privilege to be able to partner with the city. Um, every city um, employee that I have had the privilege to work with has been amazing, and you can tell that excellence is the forefront of your guys' minds. Um, and so tonight I just wanted to share a small amount of success, but we have so many more stories, but we're going to keep it short, remember? Um, <laughs> but uh, just since May 2022, we have been able to house or shelter 180, 180 patrons in our city, and that is through partners and through um, resources that we have. And one of our amazing partners, the HEART team, um, has in 2022, has housed 120 um, unhoused individuals and 46 of them came directly from our referrals just since May. So we can see a partnership growing there and we're gonna see great impact moving on in 2023. Um, and then also, um, I just wanna say, we are looking forward to what's coming. Um, I believe that the city of Orange will be the city that other cities and counties will look at for a model um, to see change in our city because we're already seeing rapid increase in miraculous stories in our city. So thank you, all of you. Thank you, Kylie. <laughs> Behind Fred is Daryl Borders. 
Again, if you don't uh, decide to pass, you don't need to come up. Good evening, Your Honor, Mayor, and Council Members. My name is Daryl. You know that already, but uh, I was asked to share some experiences or a smaller part of a, what I've endured at uh, the Resource Center. The Resource Center has been there for me for five years. Uh, I haven't ascended to a lot of things that would make a person an individual uh, more productive citizen, but right now I'm comfortable with myself because I don't have a family to deal with and, and, and a lot of expenditures, but at the same time, I still look for my options. I try to help people at the uh, Resource Center because a lot of support is necessary and most of it is mental. And some of the people can't be reached by staff. They have to be reached by somebody that they can relate to sometimes. But other than that, now um, I, this union with the HRD and uh, the HUB, they, I've experienced them for the time that they've been there, but I've been there five years. So I think that this is more civil. It's, it's a lot more structured, and it, it has a nice place in the community. Thank you. All right, thank you, Daryl. Fred Stoughton is next. Alexandra Geringer is up next. Yeah, I'm Fred Stoughton, and I want to thank all of you because you trusted Friends Orange with a food pantry, and that's working really good for the last couple of years. And then you said, well, maybe we can trust you with uh, Youth Centers of Orange. And so I volunteer at these various places. And that's working awesome, which now leads me to the HRC. And I'm retired, so I have the time to be down there. And my hands shake too much, so I can't participate in the administrative part of HRC. And most of the people have jobs there, and they're writing stuff on tickets, and it's very organized, right? So what can I do? at the HRC. Well, I can make friends. Because I remember when I was intimidated by uh, homeless folk that, you know, you're walking down the street and here comes a homeless person and you automatically turn your arms away. Automatically. Most people do that. But I've learned uh, through my experience elsewhere with the homeless that they need to be seen. They need to be seen as human beings, you know. God says that they are created in God's image, every human being, and that's how much worth they have. So I go down there, and I sit with these people, and I make friends. <clears throat> that's what I do. And so I, I know Daryl. I'm getting to know him even better. He has a vision for his future. Paulie, who couldn't walk and said, oh, I can get to where I'm sleeping. I said, no, Paulie, you're coming with me. But he was positive. Or Cisco, who has lost everything, and yet he decides to be better, not bitter. These are the stories of these people that are coming out of homelessness. So I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys to support us. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Fred. Alexandra, behind is uh, Dana Scan Scannell. 
Hello. Hi there, my name is Alex. I'm a staff member at the HRC, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for your continued support at our location. We really could not do it without you. We've been able to form a community where people can come and feel seen, like Fred was saying, and feel heard. And that's how we develop a relationship. It's how we develop trust. And with that trust, we can guide our patrons to other services. And that's really ultimately how we help them. We listen and we're there for them. So thank you, and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Dana, next is Joanna Furman. Thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of you tonight. Um, I am Dana Scannell. I am the chairman of the board of the Hub OC, and I am just marveling at your support and the staff's support to allow us to do what you've allowed us to do over the past year. It is, I've been chairman of other boards, uh, nonprofits for many, many years, large, much larger. And to get to see a partnership between the city and a nonprofit is nothing short of miraculous. And I'm just so grateful for, on behalf of our staff, but all of the folks that we get to serve because of your support and because of the incredible orange staff that we get to partner with, whether it's through the city, uh, through the staff, the um, heart team, the police department, the fire department, it, the, everyone has been so supportive. And we just want to say thank you. So that's what I wanted to share tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. And Joanna, next is Holiday Zimmerman. Hi, um, my name is Joanna Fedmin, um, and I just want to share a quick testimony of what I've witnessed at the HRC. Um, actually, the first day I went, it was towards the end of May, um, and I believe I was there. I was at the right place at the right time. Um, I actually met a mother. She was seven months pregnant. She had her toddler child and her eight-year-old daughter. They had been living in the car um, for some time, and you can just see in her face how much she was struggling and how exhausted she was. Um, and so she was eating a meal with her kids, and I was able to find out that her daughter, who is eight years old, is not in school. And so that already hurts to see. Um, and luckily, I am one of the directors for the Youth Centers of Orange, which we provide um, year-round after-school care and also summer camp. And summer was right around the corner. And so we were able to offer this mom um, care for her child from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. for eight weeks straight, straight uh, where her daughter was able to get breakfast, have snack, um, have lunch with other kids her age and get to color um, with other kids instead of being in the car all day. Um, and so that we've been able to connect because of the city of Orange. Um, and I think, again, I was there at the right place at the right time, just like everybody else has been. And so I just want to share that. Um, and hopefully you can think of that when making further choices. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Joanna. Holiday, and next is John Valentine. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. We at the Hub are just here to serve um, you, and you guys are incredible. I hope that these stories just encourage you because this is your doing. Um, this is your city. We are honored to be a part of the city of Orange. It's one of the greatest cities um, that I've ever been a part of. And so I hope these um, stories that you're hearing just encourage you because it's because of you, and it's because of all your hard work. And so we just are honored to be a part. Thank you, Holiday. John Valentine, and uh, next is John Oust. John Valentine, are you going to speak? Okay. John Oust, behind John is uh, Dara Malecki. Hi, Mr. Mayor and Council. Um, thanks for letting me talk. 
I just uh, wanted to thank you for all the uh, support that you've given to the hub. Um, I'm on, I've been a resident of the city of Orange since uh, I think 1959. Had my business here for 35 years. In fact, I own three businesses here in the city of Orange. And I'm on the board at um, the Youth Centers of Orange, and I know a holiday um, over there, the hub. And it's a great group. They've been very successful in what they're doing. And I'm now volunteering at um, the uh, Hub Resource Center on Friday mornings. I know Daryl. Hi, Daryl. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm just here to thank you and uh, wish that you would continually support uh, the Hub. Thank you, John. Dara, and behind him is uh, Angel Ramirez. Mayor, City Council, thank you so much. Uh, as a business owner in Orange, um, I, I can't say enough about the HRC and the program that they have provided to some of our most needed residents, our unhoused and our in-need citizens in Orange. Um, our city, like many others <clears throat> in our county, are struggling with the rising housing costs, food, and child care. This not only impacts the residents, it impacts the business community. These increases have created housing and food instability for the unemployed, underemployed, and unhoused residents. However, you guys have decided through a public-private partnership with the City of Orange and the HRC, and the HRC has provided wraparound services that's provided access to meals, housing, and employment opportunities to its patrons. Uh, these jobs are local. I've met a few of them that have, that have gone through the program and gotten jobs locally. I met a gentleman um, at one of their Christmas events and that he just got a job as the head chef at the core burger shop right up the street. And it's just amazing seeing these people come out of homelessness and they actually are looking forward to the next steps. Um, and so I'm just so grateful that this is something in this city and it truly is a um, a great program. So in closing, I want to thank the city staff, uh, council, mayor, and uh, for your continu continued support. And uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Dara. Next is Angel. Last speaker is Tammy McMullen. Good evening, mayor and council members. So glad to be here. My name is Angel Ramirez. I get to be uh, a worship pastor here at Friends Church uh, Orange, which basically just means that I sing and do music <laughs> in, in short, but it is a privilege to be a part of this church. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, South LA, very uh, humble community, born and raised, and was able to go to college and find my way here to Friends Church in the city of Orange. I, I, it reminds me a lot of where I grew up, of having homeless people, not as crazy here, but having homeless people right outside your door, right? You have, my street has um, probably like 10 mortar homes right outside my house, and I just get to talk to them. You know, my dad would show me, uh, oh, this guy used to be a musician. This guy used to be, this guy used to be. And it was such a, a surreal thing to grow up in uh, such poverty, having immigrant, immigrant parents in that way. But being here and, and, and seeing what the church does um, here in the city of Orange, it's beautiful. It's inspiring. I have so much pride coming from South Central Los Angeles that I get to be a part of something <laughs> that is moving people forward, that gives people opportunity. Because I knew all these people by name the way that I grew up, right? The way that I saw these homeless people in their mortar homes, in tents, literally outside. I, I remember their families and I remember their names and the things that we get to do 
through the HRC, through the hub, is inspiring. It brings me so much pride. And thank you so much for you guys backing this thing that's happening here in the city of Orange. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Angel. Is that Tammy? I made a new friend back here, and now I feel really bad. So Tammy McMullen, I'm with the Hub OC, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you um, for saying yes to um, what we get to step into and for ser serving the most vulnerable in the city of Orange. So it's only because of you guys saying yes that we get to do what we get to do. And so just thank you. All right. Thank you, Terry. With that, I'm going to close the public hearing and bring it back to the council. I would suggest um, I'd like uh, for us to first have a motion on the table and, and a second, and then we can open it to discussion unless uh, Mayor Pro Tem, you wanted to say something first. I just had a quick question. I, I'm not sure if the city manager can answer it for me. I, I know when I very first got on council, you were one of my very first meetings. I think it might have been like the next day. And we had a very frank discussion about what was happening on Struck. And, and it, this probably is a little bit to the current police chief as well. Uh, the difference, that was a problem that needed to be addressed. And now we're seeing something completely different. And I, I wonder if you could just speak briefly to if, you, if there has been a big change in what we were dealing with then and what we see now, or directionally. I'll, uh, for me, I, I would say night and day, but I think that uh, Chief Adams... Um, who uh, goes there every day. Um, <laughs> well, let me rephrase that, okay. Goes to work every day, which is, and drives down Strut. Yes. Well, so thank me, you for that, I Chief I apologize, Adams. Chief, let me clarify that. I just didn't want to. I literally drive by every day. Uh, I, I just didn't want to put you on the spot, so thank you. No, no problem, glad I was still here. Um, I will say uh, we haven't had one violent crime um, since they took over. First holiday, she's still here. Since the whole group take, has taken over. Uh, as you know, we were on, at Mary's Kitchen a lot. We had a lot of resources that were designated for fighting crime. Now our resources have changed to support resources, doing what we can to help <clears throat> what they're doing. So crime, uh, knock on wood, uh, has been great. And I will say, and I said this to the meeting of city managers that came and visited, uh, Holiday asked me to, I think somebody asked me to come by and I said, well, I always like to say something. And I said, structure, leadership, true care is what we get with this group. And I wouldn't say that about everything, but I truly believe in what they're doing. They provide structure, they provide leadership, and they provide true care for everybody that goes down there. And I think that's why it's successful, so. Thank you. All right, anything else? Good. <laughs> Thanks, sir. <laughs> And I, I would just add to that um, connectivity. Um, listening to you talk about connections with other organizations in the city, to me, is one of the most important things, that elements that was missing before. So thank you for that. Great. With that, I will entertain a motion. Nope. All right, thank you. We have a motion and a second. Um, so further discussion, questions? Anything else anyone would like to add to the conversation? Seeing none, please vote. That is uh, <clears throat> unanimous.
Thank you for your time and for waiting and for your comments. Appreciate it. Okay. We're going to move to item 7.1, which is uh, dealing with a new proposed express car wash on West Catella Avenue. Um, City Manager. Mr. Mayor, Anna Pahoshek from Community Development will be providing staff report for that. <clears throat> Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. The project before you involves the demolition of the vacant Catella Grill restaurant for the construction of a new express car wash facility. As part of the project, a zone change is requested that would change the existing zoning designation from commercial recreation to urban mixed use. The general plan land use designation for the site and the larger West Catella corridor is urban mixed use which was put in place with the adoption of the 2010 general plan. Incrementally, the properties along the Catella corridor have been rezoned from commercial <coughs> recreation to urban mixed use to establish consistency between the general plan and zoning as required by state law. The zoning of the project site remains commercial recreation. Car washes are a prohibited use in the commercial recreation zone but are conditionally permitted in the urban mixed use zone. The requested zone change would bring the general plan and zoning into alignment and also put in place zoning that accommodates car a car wash as a land use. The proposed project is located at a major gateway into the city on the West Catella corridor at the northeast corner of Catella and Main Street. The Catella Corridor is experiencing an incremental land use transition from light industrial uses to a mix of commercial and residential uses, with the stadium promenade and garrison apartments at the western city limit and anticipated mixed use development in Anaheim with the implementation of the OC Vibe project further to the west. And while this project is not in our jurisdiction, the OC Vibe is expected to generate property reinvestment and redevelopment in Orange. A car wash facility contributes to the services available for individuals living or working in the area or visitors. Because of the significant nature of the Catella main intersection, particular effort has been put into the site plan and design of the car wash to help it con contribute positively to the long-term desired character of the Catella corridor as a pedestrian-oriented mixed-use district and related evolving uses. Given the high volume of traffic activity associated with express car washes, staff has conducted focused review of the on-site circulation and queuing. There are two driveways that allow for both ingress and egress from the site. The project provides queuing for 20 vehicles, uh, and this is higher than the typical for express car washes in the county, uh, which tend to range from eight to 15 vehicles in the queue. Additional vehicles would be able to stack prior to entry into the car wash tunnel and a contingency plan is provided in the event of overflow. Each queue lane has a pay station and ultimately merges into a single lane into the car wash tunnel. The vehicle access circulation and queuing study prepared for the project and provided as an attachment to your report supports the finding that the proposed stacking capacity is appropriately designed to avoid impacts to the flow of traffic on Catella 
<clears throat> and conditions number 15 and 16 in your resolutions have been included to address uh, any potential unexpected queuing issues. We also have traffic division staff available <clears throat> tonight if there are any questions uh, related to on-site circulation and queuing. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple of development standard issues, uh, the first being floor area ratio or FAR. Under the current or under the general plan, uh, the required floor area ratio for the property is between a minimum of 1.5 and a maximum of 0.3. The intent of this minimum, along with the high maximum, is to support, support the development of an urbanized higher intensity mixed use environment. The proposed FAR for the project is 0.28, which more than doubles the current FAR on the site of 0.12. Um, and while the project does not comply with the minimum FAR under the general plan, it brings the site's existing legal non-conforming condition into closer conformity with the minimum and is therefore considered acceptable. Um, with respect to setbacks, the required front yard and street side setback for the property is a maximum of 10 feet. And while the street side setback is proposed at one foot seven, and the front yard setback is proposed to be approximately 49 feet. Staff believes that a deeper front setback is acceptable given that the properties east of the site remain zoned commercial recreation and are developed with deeper front setbacks. Additionally, fire department requirements for the site plan resulted in the need for a deeper building setback from the front property line. Therefore, staff considers the proposed setback consistent with the allowances of the municipal code. Um, with respect to previous reviewing bodies, the city staff review committee recommended approval of the project on May 25th, 2022, followed by a recommendation of approval from the design review committee on August 17th. The planning commission recommended city council approval of the project on September 19th. Uh, and lastly, it should be noted that the project changed Proposed change in zoning is within the scope of the final program environmental impact report for the 2010 general plan and is adequately described in that EIR for purposes of CEQA. Uh, the development project itself is categorically exempt from CEQA uh, under a class 32 exemption for infill development projects. I'm available for any questions. Any questions uh, from council? Seeing none, then I will uh, open the public hearing. We have one speaker, and that is Mike Leoraklis. I'll make it brief since wagon train starts in 15 minutes. Uh, for virtually no one else here, does this agenda item and the previous one have a connection? But I have to share with you that uh, what's gone on with the Hub OC happened because of food in large part, and that food was produced at Catella Grill. So while I'm the previous tenant and I'm not obligated to be here, I do want to share a story that the only way we were able to do this work on behalf of the city was because the property owners were kind enough to reduce the rent to a fraction of what they could have gotten for a temporary use in order for us to serve the city. So I think it's a story that needs to be told. I thought it was something that all of you should know about. So as impressive as the stories we heard with Hub OCR, the data is more important and that's equally as impressive. But none of that would have happened had it not been for the property owners at my former home. So I just wanted to share that and get that on the record and I wish them the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. 
Another next speaker is uh, Jeff Vondera. Vonder. Yeah, you got it right. Vondere. Vondere. Thank yeah. you. Uh, good evening, honorable mayor, distinguished members of the council. Um, I want to congratulate you on the, the recent elections for, for you all, and I uh, also wish you happy Happy New Year as well. Um, uh, as you said, my name is Jeff Vondere, and I'm a local business owner here in the city of Orange. Um, I operate Rapids Express at the other location up on North Tustin Street. I've uh, been here for about five years, and uh, it's been great getting to know the community and being part of the community. Um, also have deep family roots going back three generations in the, in the city of Orange. But aside from that, um, very excited about this project. Um, it's been in the workings for about two years now, and um, I think it's important. I'll just kind of give you a brief history of where the project started and where it's come to uh, now. Um, as Mrs. Pahushabek mentioned, um, it's, we have a, it, uh, we have a lot of queuing on this, for this particular car wash as compared to every other existing express wash that you see out there. Uh, we have three pay lanes, not two. So there's an additional pay lane, um, with an addition of, uh, up to at least 20 cars of queuing, um, in just the normal lanes. And then beyond that cars, if um, if there ever was, could queue back into the site, not onto a major artery. So this, there will never be a ma uh, traffic problem at this uh, particular site. Um, additionally, I think it will also help relieve traffic at our other location as well, which, which has been an issue, as many of you are aware of. Um, but where this project is now from where uh, it started, at the request of planning, and request to the design review committee, we've made several changes to really improve uh, this project. So um, we've added a lot of wood and metal elements to the building structure to soften the aesthetics. Um, we added an overhang over the office entrance to um, break up the building and make it much more inviting to come in um, and much more aesthetically appealing from the street. This was at the request of, uh, of planning. Um, we also added covered arches along the pay lanes that extend out to Main Street. There's three of these. Um, these were architectural features. And they were also added at the request of planning to make the building structure from the setback uh, to make it look like the building is really a lot closer to Main Street in an urban mixed use zoning. Um, we also added a green wall structure all the way along Main Street to um, for aesthetics, for a green feature, but also to um, um, help shield cars, lights in vehicles. So when you're driving on Main Street, you're not looking at vehicles in the queue. Um, so that's shielded. Um, at the design review, although the project that we submitted uh, met city requirements with regard to landscape, um, they asked for significantly more, and we complied. Uh, we increased the number of trees on the property by 57%. We originally had 21 trees, and we increased that to uh, 33. So in addition to that, we increased them from like 24-inch boxes to much more mature trees, 36 and even bigger, bigger box trees than that. Um, we also, at the request of DRB, removed some of the vacuum stalls, um, and replace those with additional planters, and, um, also and also doubled the size of our planters along the east side of the property. 
Um, we also worked with the city traffic on a partial dedication and street widening in the future for the corner of Maine and Catella as well. Um, and then finally, recently there's been talk about it being a gateway corner and a gateway sign and um, some sort of an LED uh, sign with uh, the city of Orange logo on it. And, um, and we, are, we are open to working with the city and uh, helping making that approved. So um, I am available for any other questions, but I thank you for your, your consideration. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, any questions from the council for the uh, applicant? <clears throat> uh, council Member Bilodeau. Uh, thank you. Um, not for the applicant, maybe for Anna um, on some of the design elements. I don't know if you have the ability to pull up the site plan for us. <clears throat> um, how about, uh, let's see. Yeah, that'll work. Okay. Um, I think this is a good project, by the way, and I'm I'm a patron of one of their existing facilities, and I think it's uh, it's very well used. It's very popular. It actually saves water. You're, you're much better off going through a drive-through um, car wash than washing your car in your driveway. It's just better for the environment because everything is captured on site. Um, I review site plans like this for a living at the county every day, so I can look at this very quickly and see things that I think could be improved. Um, I hate to do this from the dais, but I just wanted to point out a couple things for staff that I think need some attention. Um, where you enter the drive-in lane, you have that big bump out there with the tree. You see that? That's a pinch point. And I think that that's going to be an, an impediment to the queuing. Because what's going to happen is, is uh, the two inside lanes are going to queue up. And then that lane that's nearest uh, Main Street is going to be empty at times because you just can't get to it. So I don't know why this big bump out was placed there. It's, I think it's totally unnecessary. And um, I think that should be pared back as much as possible. Um, I don't know if that's a zoning code thing or, or why that's there. Or maybe it was just to comply with landscaping square footage. But it, it's, very odd, it's very odd to me that that pinch point has been placed there. Um, and I'm not suggesting we design this from the dais tonight, but... I just wanted to ask staff if they can continue to refine this with the applicant um, and we give them leeway to do so. Um, the second thing I wanted to ask was I know that the, um, when the applicant went to the uh, design review committee, um, you see on the east side of the property there along the property line, that planter is um, 10 feet wide. And I know when they came in initially, it was only five feet wide and the DRC directed them to make it 10 feet wide. And I'm curious, is the zoning code require five feet or 10 feet for that landscape buffer? It uh, requires five feet. Okay. And um, so to me, I will tell you the most high traffic area of this is where the vacuums are. And you have cars continuously backing in and out of those stalls. And um, uh, it creates a big traffic jam in there in the wider you can have that, the better, so that potentially two cars can back up simultaneously. Um, you know, and it kind of seemed to me, too, that um, 
Wouldn't it be better if that landscape area was five feet wide and then the entire site plan was shifted over to the east five feet and then there'd be more landscaping along Main Street? Because, I mean, if you look at along Main Street, look at how narrow the landscaping is there. Um, I don't know. It just seemed to me that maybe that could have been thought through a little better, but here we are. So, so I have a, a question on the north side. Is, is that five feet uh, or, or ten feet, the planter <clears throat> on the northern boundary? I need to call up the dimension. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> at the top, the northern boundary. The, the perimeter area, the standard requirement is five feet. So it's five feet up there, but 10 feet on the east, is, as Councilman Bilodeau is pointing Correct. out. Correct. So the, the increase <clears throat> in the width along the east property line was uh, specifically in relation to um, providing, trying to provide opportunities on the site for larger stature trees, right. given the scale of the site and the um, amount of paving on the site. Um, so that request for the additional width of planter was to provide a planting environment that larger stature trees could be viable. How did how did uh, we arrive at that bump out at the entrance? Was that um, DRC driven also? No, that happened in the site planning um, stages, and I may need to look to the applicant uh, as part of the design process um, that took shape outside of the staff review committee. Yeah, we're more than willing to to move the bump bump out back. There's no particular reason for it other than. Um, I think we were directed that the city code is you need, uh, I think it's 25 feet off of the driveway before you can do any turns. If we're wrong on that, then... Right. There's a, a for depth off of a major arterial. So that um, probably guided that. Yeah, I think what it is is that the throat length has to be 25 feet where you can't park. So you, they don't want you backing into the the 25 feet of the throat, but in this case, they're they're entering, they're not coming out. So it, I don't think it's necessarily applicable. Then in, in that sense, I totally agree with you. It'd be much better to move the bump out back. Okay, any other questions for the applicant? I, I, I just have a question. You know, on the, the 10 feet buffer on the east side, yeah. is there any opportunity to shift the plan over five feet or are there features on the site? Because that would give you actually more landscaping along Main Street and the more mature trees and things. Because obviously along Main Street, it's very narrow, about one and a half feet. I, I just don't know if that's even possible if we're too far it's, down the road. Um, anything, is, anything is possible. But part of the reason that everything is shifted so far to the left has to do with the setbacks, getting the building closer to, um, closer to Main Street. Okay, because it, it would, well, I, I'm suggesting you shift to <coughs> at least five feet, get it further away from Main Street, and then you'd have more landscaping along Main Street. C correct, but um, in the urban mixed use, you know, zoning, it's, it's, the intent is to try and get the building as close. So <laughs> I, I totally, that it's, I think there's a way of making that work. Um, that that's not a, to me. Yeah, and, and I'm just making suggestions. I, I, I hate to design this from the dais, but it just seems to me that, 
wouldn't we want more landscaping along Main Street? I don't know. Um, anyways, that that's all I have. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Um, I'm going to close the public hearing then and um, <clears throat> bring it back to the council for for a motion, and then we can have discussion. We need to get back to our. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Um, now we'll um, have discussion. And um, Mayor Pro Tim Barrios. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Anna, I just wanted to confirm um, when we had our briefing that um, projects such as this, businesses such as this, do not contribute sales tax um, in terms of because they're service-oriented, unless they're buying basically like a deodorizer in the gift shop. We're not looking, we're actually looking at a project that will have a loss of sales tax revenue to us. Uh, that, that is correct, Councilmember Barrios. Um, service type operations like car washes do not generate sales tax for the city. Oh, this new seating, I used to be able to see you. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to sit up taller. Um, but okay, so with that, looking at the zoning as it is now, because you're asking us to do two things here. One is the zone change, and then the second is the CUP for the car wash in the zone change, correct? Am I understanding that right? Correct. The zone change is required to even allow the car wash as a use, and the car wash is a conditionally permitted use in the mixed-use zoning. Now, you mentioned in terms of the urban mixed-use, and I think I just forgot to ask you about this in the briefing, most of that area along the corridor is urban mixed-use, correct? The general plan designation is urban mixed-use, and then the area um, west of Main Street the zoning has been changed to urban mixed use, and then the area east of Main Street, it's more of a patchwork. So on the south side of Catella, the zoning has been changed to urban mixed use where the car dealerships are located, um, but then there are remnant parcels that uh, have not gone through the rezoning. And why didn't this particular parcel get rezoned at that time? Uh, the property owner was not interested in the rezoning at that time. Okay. Um, you mentioned, and I'm so glad you did, about the OC Vibe project. I mean, that's a $4 billion investment going in right on our border, which is less than a mile from this location. So gateway is a really good word for all of this. And my, I would just say to my colleagues, my big concern here is that this is a great project, beautifully designed. I appreciate everything that you've done to meet all the demands of um, all of our different city committees. I think it's a great project in the wrong place. I just really feel strongly that this is just not, we are gonna be losing a valuable opportunity on a valuable piece of land um, with what's coming in on our border. And we're not taking advantage of that given our Catella corridor um, vision, which um, doesn't envision necessarily this type of project. Am I right? When I looked it up, it was it was much more mixed use than this. Well, you know, the the use is an allowable, conditionally permitted use, and I think um, you know, some of the design issues we've talked about point to the fact that there's a bit of a challenge integrating this type of use into that kind of environment. Um, so it, 
it is a use that is a conditionally permitted use and um, the devil is in the detail of the design of it really. Right, okay. All right, thank you. Those are my questions. <clears throat> Any other council members? Um, council Mayor Gutierrez. Yes, I just had a quick question, Anna. Could you tell me how, or maybe the traffic department, um, <coughs> how, I am so sorry, I've never frequented rapid wash. <laughs> I've gotten the great little coupons from Toyota of Orange, but I've never gone. But, um, but I have seen the queuing difficulties on North Teston. So I just was wondering if you could tell me how does this differ from the North Teston? <coughs> Good evening, uh, Mayor, members of the City Council. My name is Doug Keyes. I'm the Transportation Analyst here at the City of Orange. And what I think is very important here is to compare what exists on Tustin with what is being proposed on Catella and Maine. And I know it was mentioned earlier, but I'll just go through those real quickly. Okay. Um, at the new location, there will be three pay stations. Mm -hmm. The existing had two pay stations for its two lanes of traffic. This has three. The uh, Tustin location has capacity for 14 vehicles. This one has capacity, the new one proposed has capacity for 20 vehicles. There is also a queuing with having the two driveways at the proposed uh, location versus the single entry driveway on Tustin, single entry, single exit. On this location, we have entry and exit from both Catella and from Main Street. Oh, okay. They have provided a queuing contingency plan that provides a lot of support for in the event that they have a day where they have, where they exceed the 20 vehicle stacking. They have a queuing contingency plan, and the queuing contingency plan basically puts personnel out in these positions. It deals with uh, one of the things that Councilman Bilodeau had brought up relative to concerns about that lane on Main Street not filling up. Dirt well, when they back up to uh, the capacity of that uh, of the storage area, mm -hmm. they send they send out staff members to direct traffic to where to go. So they'll be able to maximize that use of the 20 storage spaces. And in the event that we have the queuing contingency plan allows for the vehicles to back up on site and still be able to be accommodated. We have a driveway width out there that is in excess of the 25 feet that we typically ask for. That's a standard for two-way traffic in a driveway on private property. We have more than the 25 feet there. And so, and in, in addition, uh, on top of everything, the conditions of approval that Anna had mentioned that are uh, numbers 15 and 16, we have applied those consistently to every drive-through that has come through in the last, I would say, year and a half to two years. Lessons learned, I guess I would say, from a traffic perspective. Um, the experience with raising canes, the experience with the original rapids, those things we've learned lessons. And to the credit of uh, the project proponent, they have taken this 
very seriously and looked at how to maximize this larger parcel so for uh, the ability to ensure that vehicles do not back out onto the public right-of-way. And those conditions, the first conditions, if we have trouble with vehicles backing out into the public right-of-way, that condition sends the project proponent back to work with the city staff in order to come up with potential solutions to the problem. Okay. In the event that those problems uh, or those solutions don't fix the problem, Condition 16 is where the teeth are. And that is that gives the Planning Commission the opportunity to recall the project to relook at the CUP. Okay. So there are there's significant um, teeth, if I, if I can use that term again, to make sure that this operation works as it's being planned for and that the contingency plan provides the staff that they are committed to in order to make sure that the on-site circulation is working appropriately. <coughs> I hope I addressed your question. No, you if did. you have any other questions, Thank I'd be happy to deal with. Thank you. explained that very well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Truly. And um, Anna, just curiosity, in an urban <clears throat> mixed zone, um, mixed use zone, is a car wash something we would normally see? Well, this is the first one we're getting in our urban mixed use zone being proposed. Um, so I think in you know in many urban environments you do see car wash facilities. Um, there, some of them are packaged in different formats. Um, there's some that are more contained within a building. Um, you know, maybe as an example of an alternate design is the car wash that's being built on North Tustin um, mm -hmm. currently, where there's a, a pretty significant building presence close to the street. And this site is a little more challenging because it's a corner site and uh, dealing with that configuration and meeting our development standards and the objective of the zoning makes it a little bit more difficult. Okay. And then in regards to what he was speaking to, if the queuing were to flow out into the street, how many staff uh, members do you have that would that would be out there ready to fix that problem and bring in the cars and help them back up and kind of help get around that little bump that uh, Councilmember Billadou was talking about? Well, the plan is we would have we would direct one staff member to go out there and close off the the entrance to um, the paint lanes to force the traffic back into our vacuum area. The, 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 the big difference is, um, and I just want to make it clear, is that like on Tustin Street, there's nowhere to, to go except back onto Tustin Street, mm -hmm. right? With this one, it's totally different because once you close it off, you force all the traffic back into the vacuum area. And there's, then there becomes a lot more queuing space. Okay. So, but that's if you get past 20 vehicles. I mean, in, in North Tustin, it's only 14. So, I don't see it getting past 20, but in the event there was, to answer your question, there would be one staff member that would go out there to be directing the... the um, and how many nor how total staff what is normally there? I'm so sorry. Excuse I me, Ma know. Mayor Slater, just for the record, oh, we have, to open have we... Have we re can you just reopen the, the hearing? <laughs> sorry, I'll, I just realized that. We'll, we'll can do. reopen the public hearing then. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, it... 
it depends on the time in the day. So if uh, a really busy, you know, Saturdays are very busy, right? So we'll have four to five people on staff at any, any given time. Never less than that, you know, especially when you're busy. So, okay. um, you, know, you, op you, you know, you open at 7 a.m. With, with fewer than that, but then by 8, you know, by 8 a.m. there's, you know, staff is building up, so. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Thank I you. appreciate it. Those are my questions right now. Council Member Billado. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I'm in support of this project. Um, I lived through, I think, four votes on uh, this urban mixed use for this particular location. Worked with the Potter family. This site does have challenges because it's, it's rather shallow. And um, urban mixed use is a euphemism for high-density apartment buildings. That's what it is. But this site is too shallow for that type of a development. Um, so these, this is the kind of uses you're going to get, and I think this is a very complimentary use. Um, I think it's a shame that the uh, urban mixed use requires the buildings to be so close to the street because that, that eliminates opportunities for, you know, landscaping. But um, <clears throat> I, I don't know more to say about that because if you look at the site plan, the landscaping's on the side yard adjacent to the next property. It's not on the street, on Main Street, where I think it would be uh, better um, observed. But um, it is what it is. Thank you. Would the... Um maker of the motion be willing to allow the applicant to work with staff to eliminate or reduce the bump at the, if, if the applicant uh, feels it would uh, enhance their facility? Yeah. Yes. And the second, seconder? Yes. Okay, great. Any other comments, discussion, questions? Oh. Okay, and I will call for the vote. Does it have to be read? Oh, I'm sorry. The, the motion needs to be read. Does that need to be made by the maker of the motion? Kathy, would you like to uh, read the recommended actions? Before just doing so, Councilmember Tavlaris, could you please close the public clearing again okay. mere later? Thank you. Sorry. Appreciate it. I am uh, closing the public hearing for the second time. Sorry. <clears throat> it's all right. And there are there are actually two. Your right. So your motion. Uh, I would do them one at a time. Your motion, and we'll do the ordinance first. Okay, uh, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Orange approving zone change number one three zero five two one rezoning property located at one three two five West Catella Avenue to urban mixed use to establish consistency between the urban mixed use general plan land use designation and zoning classification in accordance with state law. Are we going to vote on the um, ordinance and the resolution separately? Okay, please vote. I'm sorry, just for, for, for clarification, this is the first reading of ordinance 11-22, correct? That is correct. Thank you. <clears throat> Council Member Gutierrez. 
motion passes with uh, Mayor Pro Tem Barrios opposed. <clears throat> Next, we're looking for the motion on the resolution. Uh, to move to adopt oh, a oh. oops, sorry, Dennis jumped in front. Oh, of go you. ahead, Dennis. <laughs> it's all yours. Yeah. Okay, that means I have to find it to read it. Um, that's right. Okay, so this is uh, the second item. This is uh, a motion to adopt resolution number 11419, a resolution of the City Council of the City of Orange approving conditional <coughs> use, use permit number 3154-21, design review number 5060-21, and minor site plan review number 1074-21, and zone change number 1305-21 for the construction of a new 13,860 square foot automatic drive-through express car wash facility with associated vacuum stalls and related site improvements located at 1325 West Cattell Avenue. We have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Not please vote. That passes uh, six to one with uh, Mayor Pro Tem Barrios opposed. That uh, Ends our, our council meeting. We are adjourning tonight um, in memory of uh, William Steiner. The next regular council meeting will be held on Tuesday, February 14, 2023 at 6 p.m. in the council chamber with closed session beginning at 5 p.m. if necessary. Thank you all for your time. Thank you. Good job, Mayor. Oh, I'm a rookie. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes. Uh,